The intermediate line advises a language and concept warning for the entire show. Hey folks, this is the Croc Hunter, and you're listening to Chris and Bolts on the Intermediate Line podcast. Now be quiet, I'm nearly on to one. This episode of the Intermediate Line is brought to you by Nervous Water. For all your premium fly fishing requirements, please visit nervouswater.com.au. And Beast Brushes, Australian-made brushes and dubbing, professionally graded natural materials, plus a full shop for all of your fly tying needs at beastbrushes.com. I slept in seven days, I ain't eight in three. This methamphetamine has got a damn good hold of me. My tweaker friends have got me to the point of no return. I just take my lighter to the bulb and watch it burn. This life of sin, it's got me in. Lord, it's got me back in prison once again. I use my only phone call to contact my daddy and I'm 20. Yeah, mate, you sound relaxed. How you been? Oh, I've lost track of time, mate. I feel like it's just been a big, long week. But in fact, it's been two weeks because of our week off. How do you feel? <laughs> I feel nice and relaxed too, mate. That The fortnightly uh, podcast is definitely appealing to me a lot. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Unless we have an emergency podcast. <laughs> wonder what constitutes an emergency. Uh, I don't know, you know, something that's ultra aggressive or something. I don't know. Maybe there's maybe there's been a ban on jet skis. (laughs) Emergency emergency podcast. Uh, You know, one of the things I love is getting uh, messages from listeners that have you know jet ski accidents and you know jet skis being dickheads and stuff like that. Oh, you know, I had a customer the other day put a note on his on his um, beast brushes order. And said, "Thank all this stuff. Just wrap this puppy up, Chris." <laughs> <laughs> Made me laugh out loud. I thought it was hilarious. Oh man! Next thing you know, one of your haters will report you to the RSPCA. Wrapping cruel- that puppy up. Yeah, cruelty against puppies. You know what? And I wouldn't even be able to tell who it is. There's just so many of them. <laughs> puppies, that is. You know. But, uh- <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been good having that bit of time. It's afforded afforded me um, a little bit of time to do some um, bits and pieces without having to worry about uh, you know being back on time for the podcast mm. or or so you uh, do a concept fly, mate. That looked pretty interesting. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been so long. Normally, like it's uh, the time between podcasts is much shorter, and you can recollect. But it's hard to imagine what's going on in the last two weeks. So much has gone on. 
But yeah, man, yeah. one of those things is the um, that concept fly. Yeah, nothing's really come of it. I haven't even swum it or or um or put a fish over it. So at this point, it's just fucking sculpture, you mm. know. But um, I'm always on that pursuit of of uh, an articulated fly that swims properly, you know. Um, you know, from from the development of the brushes to the slow water game changer, you know that deer hair um, swim bait. It's not fair to call it a game changer at all. Really, it's modelled off a you know conventional lures it's it's not what anyone needs it's just a concept it's not not gonna be any better than anything else that's probably out there it's just a cool idea that takes way too long to tie can i know we we weren't going to talk about this much but can i ask why you put the shanks in at the top like that oh to stop it because the shanks that's the it's a similar reason as to why the slow water ganger because shanks by themselves have got without control without getting too deep into it Without being able to control the um, the way the water flows over it, which you can do with trimming and, and material selection and assembly, mm. um, it can move in a random direction, up, down, so, like all all around, all that sort of stuff. Sure. So the reason for the two shanks is to um, is to control that articulation, because the two shanks two shanks top and bottom won't allow it to move up or down. With me, so gotcha. if you notice that you know swim baits from on conventional lure guys, like they've mm -hmm. always got two joins there, you know. Yep. I've, I have not, honestly, with my game changers, I've never paid attention to anything that, that Blaine does or, or, I mean, I've got respect for the guy for starting the concept for sure, which he started the name Game Changer, let's say, because Link Minos have been around for a long time before probably Blaine was born. I don't know, but um, I don't know how old Blaine is. But, um, you know, the, the, the conventional guys with their swim baits, what lure guys call a swim bait, mm. has always got those two joints on there, you know? And um, I've always been, that's what I was saying, I've always been fascinated by trying to replicate the action those guys can get in a fly, which is why I've always liked the Game Changer platform, and I've tried to do that. Uh, it's funny, man, I was talking to Jeff Anderson uh, after that deer hair one, and I'm not going to reveal it, because I want to I try it out first before putting this one up on the internet, but he, he helped come up with an idea that's so fucking simple for normal Game Changers that can, that can um, do the same thing. And take two seconds. It's quick and easy. Man, Jeff's a good dude to talk to. He's um, very, um, very clever and very uh, innovative in his um, flies and his fly selection, and very pragmatic in 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 his um, approach. I like. I really like talking to him about fly development. Good dude. Jeff Anderson, heads and tails. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He's a visionary. Yep. He is a visionary. Yeah. Got a stonking well, koi the other day too, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Did you see that thing? Bloody. Looked hell. like a slab of gold, eh? Oh man, it was big and orange. I, I can understand if you're intimidated, but you know it's just <laughs> one, one of the, it was a whopper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, so I'd be intimidated for the color. You'd be just intimidated by the size of it, right? Is that what you mean? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff looked. It was wrapped. a tall fish, mate. Yeah, yeah. He, he looked wrapped with those lips. Just couldn't take his eyes off him. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was a, it was a prime river meat. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. It's, that's probably the biggest koi I've seen landed on fly. You know, um, and definitely in Australia. Fucking hell, mate. Cool. It, it should be nicknamed "Get It Done Anderson." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he does. He just gets it done. He's he's the beef master. The beef master. <laughs> he's beef master general. He's been doing it a long time, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. He's yeah, been man. beefy for a long time, old Jeffo. Yeah, yeah. He's, just, he's just all about results, you know? It's uh, yeah, yeah. it's great. It's great, man. And, um, 
You know, I'm not going to piss in his pocket too hard because some of you, if you're listening, Jeff, some of your ideas are pretty bloody wild, dude. But um, <laughs> but uh, but I do like how you make them work. I think that's super impressive. Yeah, and I love the videos he sends us in Messenger too. Pretty <laughs> educational and you know, to say the like, least. Yeah, yeah, a bit all over the place. But mm. I fucking love getting notification. You got a new message from Jeff Anderson. Oh yeah, cool. What's this gonna <laughs> make sure no one's looking? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta be careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta, there's actually a few friends of mine I gotta be careful with. But, um, oh, yeah. yeah. Do I know yeah. any of these other ones? Or what? Yeah, man. Is there any mirrors around you there at the moment? <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, some of those ones, mate, with the uh, with the porn chick at the end now, you, just not even trying. You know, you can see it coming a mile away. But, uh, still, I don't know how many times I've been got by that. It's wild. Never in a gnarly public place, but still fun. Um, yeah. Mate, it's one of the other things, a bit of a somber note that's happened, uh, is the rain in our area. And um, I want to say thanks to everyone who sort of shouted out and asked if mm. me and Volts are all right. Um, I'm all right. Volts isn't flooded in, but he's not all right because, you know, you know, he's, he's Volts. But um, <laughs> um, I just didn't know how to word that and be sensitive because yeah. <laughs> I know you get upset. But um, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, the rain, the, the the floods were all around us. I think I could speak on behalf of us in, in that respect. The, yeah, they were we were definitely impacted by it, but not not directly to any of the any of our property. Um, I had I had a bit of minor flooding, but nothing nothing that's even worth photographing and putting on fa- on Facebook for way too much information. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, is that about the sum of it for you too, mate? Yeah, mate, had minor flooding. Um, one of the one of the problems was that uh, um, the backyard sort of flooded and, and it got in. We've got a, a deck. We've got a low-set house. We've got a deck that's probably maybe four inches off, off the ground level. Um, and that um, that thing got flooded underneath. And, and that deck's been down for about 14, 15 years. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was had a bit of a funky smell about it. Because of the um, the kids bodies. had, yeah, yeah, we buried a lot of bodies under there. Yeah, under the years. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, cool. and, and the dog, the dog never really um, understood toilet training very well, and quite often pisses on the deck. Which we always clean up, but the bits that go through the the, you know, the gaps in the decking uh, ended up down uh, onto the concrete, which we could never clean out because of the height of it. And um, anyway, this water came through and made the whole thing smell like a. Um, uh, litter tray, you know, a cat litter tray of all things, and um, the smell was, you know, as, as well as the dank earth because we had a lot of water sitting in the there. The dank benthic strata. Yeah, mate, the dank, the dank benthic strata. So anyway, um, we were stuck at home, and and compounded with that, um, we ended up being in isolation for that for that period as it was because um, one of my kids brought COVID home from school, um, and as it stands. Um, uh, both my sons got it one after another and then um, my wife got it um, which uh, the, the kids sort of you know it was one or two days of lethargy and basically the rest was a big holiday for them uh, but the miss, missus took it pretty hard and um, she's just just getting over it now but I've, I've had I've had two weeks of of constant um, constant um, Netflix. Yeah, Netflix, uh, conflict, all sorts of shit. Yeah, 
Yeah, right, okay. <laughs> Bad enough, man. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, want to yeah. get out. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, but fortunately, I've um, uh, I've I've been testing negative the whole time. Staying positive, but testing negative. That's falsy. <laughs> Is it true that uh, kryptonite still affects you, though? I mean, you yeah. avoided COVID. Yeah, yeah. That's... Kryptonite's still your kryptonite. Yeah, kryptonite. Um, uh, High-grade uranium, too, has a bad effect, I've found. But um, the rest of things are pretty much okay. Yeah. Your, uh, your your stretch of the river is, is cleaning up, and I do know that your fishing partner has um, has encouraged you to uh, get out this weekend and stretch those uh, those <laughs> landlocked legs of yours, mate. And, uh, you're hitting the, hitting the water this weekend, yeah? Yeah, man. Yep. Yeah, hoping to sneak out on um, on um, Sunday morning. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, a lot of the places um, that we uh, were, were planning to hit. Received a lot of water um, going over to some of these dams. So we'll try and find something or, or knowing knowing my fishing partner, we'll probably just end up doing the same thing. Um, yeah, cool. What, and what's it, that? Because it works. <laughs> uh, we'll get, we get, we go chasing Toga, mate. Yeah, um, Yeah, right, so, okay. See if, run, see if the pattern's still there. You're going to yeah. run the same setup? Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, um, I'll run a, a seven-weight... Um, uh, using that sextant from uh, TNT. Tom that's Tom. Tom Tom. Yeah. Tom Tom sextant. Yeah. <laughs> it's yep. um. Yeah. It's it's uh, eye opening, right? I love it. Are you um, using a fast sink line in the in the river as well, or like the, like we do in the lakes from? Um, in the river. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't be um, wouldn't be averse to using that that setup. Yeah. It'd, it'd Is be that good. what you're doing? Uh, if there's a bit, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yep. Cool. Yeah, yeah. It, you don't it, want to give you, you. You feel as though there's people with pen and paper right now, don't you? I'm still not not comfortable with. Like I've only done it a few times. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, you know, I don't want people to think that I'm talking about uh, something without having it proven, mate. So. Yeah. Of course, mate. Of course. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Frog leeches. Yeah, man. Crazy, crazy Kermit. Been killing it. Go. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it's sort of like it was a bit of an accident because um, I didn't have the mag cut in that color, uh, the Zonka, and uh, the Magnum. You mean ma- Magnum cut? Yeah. But you yeah. call it Mad Cut? Mag, M A G. Yeah. At least it's Mad. Mad yeah, Cut, like, bro. <laughs> you're a mad. You're a Mad Cup yourself, mate. Yeah, yeah. You know? Mad Cup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I did fortunately have a packet of the next size um, hooks uh, down. Um, I forget. There used to be a partridge one. I forget what the attitude extra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, no, that would be too small. Predator X. Predator X. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and it um, it has a perfect bend, and it's um, uh, they're deadly sharp. Anyway, um, I was lucky to have the next size down, and that that suited the the um size of the Magnum cut. Or the not so magnum cut zonker and chenille that I had, um, it t- worked out perfect. I used perfect. to use that Predator X when I first started tying them, but um, I, I, I found that PR three thirty from Arex was was way better penetration, you know. Yeah. But, um, funnily enough, but um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it, I guess it'll do with the trick for sure. But um, yeah, I used to use a lot of partridge. I just, 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 yeah, stopped using them. Oh, for... I can't find them anywhere, mate. And now they're in. Um... Yeah, you've got those uh, those A-Rex ones. I just haven't been doing a lot of tying, as you know. So when, yeah, when those yeah. ones run out, I'll be going straight into them. Yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. 
Yeah, man. Well, that's cool. It's uh, yeah. I mean, the rain's been um, challenging to find some fishing around. It's um, yeah, yeah. That's for sure. You've been out, mate. I've seen you've got a few barrel. Oh yeah, I've been out. All right. That's been one of the good things about not running the podcast is that I was able to get out on the last Wednesday. Um, was the first time when I hit it, but mm. yeah. Um, just just chasing barrel for what barrel do in um hot you know like running water you know or. Yep. I wouldn't call it runoff, really, I suppose. There's no real wetlands and stuff, but there's drains that are flow- excuse me, flowing into creeks and creating moving water. Um, uh-huh. And they, um, as we know, that they're ambush predators somewhat, um, chasing that highly oxygenated water uh, and the food that falls out of it, but just using the pressure waves and stuff like that. It's been um, it's What been food are they cool. eating, mate? Is Sorry? It, um, are they prawns or bait fish? Uh, I don't know. I see bait skipping and, and like, I see them in the eddies and stuff like that. Like, fish must bust in and bust them up. They look like either small fry. It's never been right at my feet. I, I haven't got, you know, I haven't netted them. I can't see them or anything like that, and they don't spew them up. But it just looks like either could be shrimps or fry. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it is. Yeah. I don't know what it is. But it seems like the bait fish use those eddies instead of being in the main current, just sort of uh, hanging out, <clears throat> excuse me, next to the drains and stuff like that as well. Yeah. Um, you know, like I know that on wetlands, like it's food that comes out of those drains and stuff, but, uh, look, yeah, I couldn't imagine a lot of food coming out of those drains, you know, for those fish, but maybe that's all I can put it down to is the, is the bait uses those same eddies and slack water to, um, to just try and relax or I don't know, mm. don't know, whatever the reason is, but that's, um, that's the sort of areas I've been fishing. Yeah. It's been great. Yeah. All right. I saw, um, one of, one of the eagle-eyed, um, uh, followers of of yours on Insta pointed out you you got a barrel without a dorsal fin or was it just not evident in that photo? Oh, I didn't. Oh, that's the one. I, that was yeah, that was the one I caught uh, a couple of days ago. Yeah, that was um that was um I don't know. I didn't notice it. Eh? I just I just pulled that thing up to my feet, put the rod across it, and just took a quick photo and chucked it back in. But he's yep. yeah, looking at the photo. I think he's right. It doesn't look like it's got a dorsal fin. But none of those fish are, are banged up or anything like that. There is a um there is some. Um, spillways on on some of these lakes and so that, but you can't go near them. It's illegal. They're all all fenced off, and mm-hmm. you can't be within four hundred meters of it. And mate, I, I just can't like you know. I'm in the fishing industry. I can't risk being in those areas at all. You know, because people are getting busted. There's security guards hanging around those areas and stuff like that. Now roads are locked off, and they're very dangerous. You know, and, um, they let the floodgates are automatic, and and, and yep. you get grommies that still fish it. It's probably a shitload of fish there, but it's just not worth it, eh? Yeah, yeah, you. Uh, I don't know um, where where you are, but um, I remember when I started fly fishing. I, it was after the '99, I wouldn't say floods, but we um, North Bind Dam, um, which is down near where I live. It it, it went over, and um, it hadn't been over for a while. But uh, that place was like a magnet for people going up there, and um, there was a lot of bass, uh, a lot of yellow belly too, silver perch, lungies. All that sort of shit that come down, but they all ended up like anything that came over the wall there got smashed. It had um, generally had ulcers or beaten up fins, and you know they looked they looked pretty uh, pretty shit house for a while. But it was a bit it could be a turkey shoot at times. But I remember like they um, the rangers there weren't real real fucking happy about people there, and they used to have this um, used to have this siren that was signaled that they were going to open one of the gates. I said like three or four gates there. One day we were, we'd we'd snuck in there. I'd, I'd skipped uni and gone up there for a fish, and this um, the um, the uh, the gate sort of signaled that it's going to get open. And fucking hell, man! I've 
me and I, I don't know if it was I was there with a bloke called Carl or it might have been even Nick Stewart. I can't remember. We we did the Harold Holt. We got the fuck out of there pretty quick, eh? So um, oh. we weren't meant to be there, but yeah. I'd imagine it'd be pretty 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 gnarly if um if those floodgates opened it like a meter of water came down all of a sudden it'd be there'd be no escaping it for sure. But fortunately oh. for us, we were yeah. um we were outside of the exclusion zone. So um I was fishing with Kurt Kurt Rollins um. And one of Kurt's favourite songs is "Don't Go Chasing Spillways," and because um, he's because <laughs> Kurt Rollins, yeah. Oh, uh, Henry Rollins, yeah. No, yeah. Kurt, Kurt Rollins, like, ah, uh, oh, I'm thinking of Kelly Rollins and Jake. Yeah, sorry, it's not funny when you got to spell the joke out. By the way, at, I um, think the band cool. you're thinking about was TLC. Don't go chasing waterfalls, right? That's right. It had Kelly yeah. Rollins in the band. Did it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a cool man. It, um, we can always edit that out, explaining <laughs> jokes. <laughs> but yeah, no. Well, I mean, Kurt's a guide, so I mean, we can't, we can't, we can't be in there, you know. And so it's um, so it worked out well. But I got to christen the uh, eight weight sextant, which is um, kind of twigging for when you're land based impoundment barrow fishing, or it's not really impoundment. They're they're wild fish. They're subject to close season. They're just um, some of them could have come out of the lake, but um, mm-hmm. still, it was pretty cool. Um, they used that and that compact intermediate. Chucking bendbacks around, game changers, and got got a couple of nice fish on slow water game changers too, which is pretty epic, man. It um, was pretty fun. Visible eats, mate. They they pop it off the top, or well, the slow water game changer. I was fishing that off. Um, the, the bendbacks, no, because I was chin weighting them. I was uh, I, I was putting. I, w- I would add. Uh, I bet I would measure it and put a gram of um, tungsten putty on the chin under under the last clump of bucktail. Um, oh yeah. And um, yeah, so they would they would sink, you know, like they they'd have a strong jigging action. I don't like any bendbacks that's got weight further away from the you know where the eyes are. It's just got a shit action, and that just they never get eaten like that. I don't know why, but anyway. So I got to put it right up under the chin, um, and and yeah, the game changers no, they they were they were sort of they were sort of deep enough to not see the ease either. But the slow water game changer, yeah, you, know, you see it like um, some of the fish missed. The fucking hole they leave in the water is, is incredible, man. I I I suggest that anyone who hasn't caught barra on fly in their life, quickly make it part of their uh, bucket list. You mm-hmm. won't. The power of barra and the and the the shock of the, the aggressiveness of the eat, is is second to none. They're 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 an awesome fish, man. I could do nothing but fish for those fish forever. They're awesome. Yeah, right. Well, there's and, a good reason why they're one of Australia's favourite um, uh, targets. You know that's yeah yeah no absolutely but the eight weight was um was was pretty fun some of those fish like in that highly oxygenated water man they're like they're on meth they were just <laughs> um they were so strong it was great it was so much fun mm, yeah but yeah no it's uh yeah <laughs> I, 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 what <laughs> it was like they were doing meth yeah. yeah 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 that probably gives away close to where i was fishing too saying that oh what Rockhampton. I didn't know you were that far. <laughs> I, will leave, I will leave it at that, sir. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> no, it's good, man. It's um, probably going to go back one more time before um, before it starts to slow down, before this podcast comes out. Don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe, okay. maybe not. But I'll tell you what, man. On that um, Last time I went there was only a couple of days ago. Um, it was this week. Mm. It was Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. And um, oh, it was hot as balls, man. Me and, me and Kurt, because um, the place that we're walking walking to get to it has got 
really bad access. So we we hiked in through the bush. Well, as a track, but it's it's not thick bush, not un unpioneered, but um, bit of a mission. Um, I don't know about two k's or something like that, which isn't far to walk on a footpath. But um, but when you're going up and down and climbing and on on you know it's a bit of a mission. But it was hot, and uh, we get there and we we're on the um, on the on the uh, on the western side of the, of that creek and just full sun and I was just getting baked. I had um, I walked in I just wore a t-shirt and we 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 didn't even get to the water and I had a backpack on with the uh, with my rod tube in the backpack so I had to rig up uh -huh. and um, rigging up and hearing barra buffing you know you're like oh god I can't do this fast enough so I just I just kept my t-shirt on and I was just fishing um, I caught a couple of fish and then um, mate it was just so hot. That my shirt was just sticking to me, and it was just it was just disgusting. And I'm just like, I got to take this off. And I hung it up over a tree, and I took with me one of Al's shirts to put on. And I, I put that oh. shirt on because I I just couldn't wear that shirt; it was too wet. I and I wanted to keep man. fishing. It was disgusting. And um, um, I want to let you know that I kept it in my bag for two days before I got my gave it to my wife to put it in the laundry oh. as well. <laughs> Made me very popular. But what I did oh. was uh, I had Al's shirt, and I man, thought, man. oh man, this is going to be awkward. It's going to feel like putting. Um, you know, wearing canvas or something like that. But I put it on, mm. and mate, the the moisture just wicks out. It was just just so. It, it surprised you. Yeah, but I hear a lot of people avoid long sleeve shirts because they think it's hot. But it's mm. um, it just I mean, I don't know what Al shirts are made of, and it might happen with other shirts as well. But it just happened to be Al shirts I was wearing. But yeah, pretty amazing, eh? I was um, I was remarking to Kurt, just going, "How's that?" He was already wearing his, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah, that make, makes all the all the difference, hey. Like a well breathing, um, long sleeve shirt keeps the sun off you for one. Um, yeah, you know, and that that has a cooling effect. But yeah, if it, if it can help you breathe and help help it wick the moisture and sweat away from your skin, it has that super duper cooling effect. Well, there wasn't you... a lot of wind either, you know. Yeah, it was. Right. It was just yeah, it was like it was pulling it out, you know, like just a one direction or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, right. One direction, eh? Yeah, 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 you knew that band. No, oh, is it a band? Is it One Direction? Yeah, right. Yeah, okay, you've heard man. of music, right? Yeah, yeah, but I hadn't heard of that band. But yeah, right. that's yeah, I'm cool. Surprised. Man. Oh, I like I like your Harry Styles. It's good. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised you know. Don't go chasing waterfalls. By was it Kelly Rollins or TLC hey, or Kurt? Yeah. Kurt Rollins. <laughs> yeah. Nah, I um, I remember it from the last time we had Kurt on the podcast. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Speaking of podcasts, we've got a great guest on tonight and one we've been anticipating for a long, long time. And this is, um, it's a great honor to, um, to have this guest on. Yeah. Yeah. Who we got, mate? We've got uh, Mark Bargainquest or known as Bargy from um fishes fly and sports fishing so he took over from um from fish who we've had on the show up here and runs that that operation up in weeper which oh, cool. i i think is up there with some of the world's best best fly fishing you know never yeah. seen cape york on its day mate it'd be hard to beat that's for sure oh yeah anything can happen up there fucking yeah. anything you know and you got um i probably won't say this to his to his uh, to his face or, or even virtually, but Mbagi is um, widely regarded as like you know a very fishy dude. You know could um, yeah can pull a fish that that guy. So 
looking forward to to hearing from him because um, you have a fishy location and a fishy guide. Um, good shit's going to happen. Good shit's going to happen. Yep, that should be a warning label on something. <laughs> Toilet Probably paper. Not a warning label, is it then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's. Um, what do you say we get him on? Yeah, start this Metamucil. The good shit's going to happen. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Welcome back, listeners, to the Intermediate Line. Tonight's guest is none other than Mark Bargainquest. Welcome to the show, Bargy. Hey, thanks, guys. It's good to be on here with you. Mate, it's great to have you on finally, mate. Like we said in the intro, that's been a, uh, an anticipated interview for us, so it's good that you made the time. <laughs> and we, as professionals, we always give our guests heaps of notice, too. Yeah, <laughs> that's the go. I love yeah. the way you fellas operate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> listeners will know that um, the bargy took on the uh, on the podcast with like a, a, a day's notice because, well, that was my fault, and I'm yeah. a slack bastard. That time, yeah, pretty pretty much, absolutely zero preparation. But they're usually the good ones, right? So yeah, <laughs> I, I, I reckon we'll have pretty good chat. I reckon we get the best chat out of those ones, bargy. Oh, 100%. If you sit around and try and think about something, you over-prepare. Just like the fishing, fellas. You know, if you over-prepare to catch a fish, it all turns to shit. But if you just go out there, it happens, you know. That's mm. that's the way. That's the go, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's uh, like, like we mentioned the other day on the, on the phone, like how many people um, are successful at permit when they just think they're a fish? Oh, yeah, you're not wrong. Mm. <laughs> people can that's... cast 100 feet and they think about it and you put a fish in front of them and they can cast 20 feet. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably uh, one of them too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. mate, the, the day you lose buck fever, there's a day you got to give up, really, eh? Oh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, while well, you've got the adrenaline rush there and, and it, it sort of drives you and it, that's what keeps you going back, you know. But if, if you're not feeling that, well, you, you tend not to want to go back, do you? You know, that's just, that's just fishing and hunting in general. I think that's why we fly fish. It's just the thrill of the hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it tests you. tests your resolve, that's for sure. And, um, yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Well, yeah. well, let's uh, let's just get to the um, to the to the meat and potatoes here uh, off the bat. So, so Buggy, you've uh, recently taken over um, Fishers Flying Sports Fishing, correct? Yeah, I did. I, I I'll just give you a bit of a history on it all. I, I sort of had my own guiding business in Harvey Bay there for just on ten years, and now. Our um, winter season at that time was very quiet, so and that, and that was Fisher's busy period too. Winter time in up in North Queensland is sort of the best time to fly fish up here. So I used to come up for a few weeks at a time and help fish out when you had larger group bookings, and the workload increased to a point where it was um, fish wanted me a bit more, a bit more than than what I could sort of offer. So yeah, basically I sold the business in Harvey Bay and, and moved full time up here in Weeper, and I sort of been doing eight years up here with fish eight coming on to the ninth year and um well fish got to the age where he's 70 years old and wanted to retire and go and spend some time on the front of the boat instead of behind the steering wheel so yeah the rest is history i took him over and then sort of covid stepped in and slowed things down a bit for a couple of years as you know but yeah from now on it looks like it's pretty pretty clean sailing so i think it's going to be a really good thing yeah no absolutely 
Mate, we might um we might we might circle back to um break down those those humble beginnings a bit bit better and talk about your um your time in Harvey Bay. Yeah, yeah. So did you say you um you you're operating um your guiding business in Harvey Bay for, for ten years prior to um moving up there to all oh, prior to starting to work with uh, fish, yeah? I did, yeah, yeah. I was actually uh, at the time when I started out I was a logger. I used to work in the forestry down between Maribor and um Bunt and um Gimpy, sorry. Yeah. On all the harvesting gear down there. And I always had a passion for fly fishing. I think it started when I was young. I used to read the old modern fishing fishing wheel books and I remember seeing a group of guys up in the Pilbara or up in the Kimberley somewhere catching barrows and threadfin salmon on fly rods they'd cut down from ugly sticks and you know, this was sort of cutting edge technology back then, the fly gear they made and, and I just got an interest in it. So I, I saved all my pocket money up. I think at the time I was working at a tackle store in town for like probably two dollars an hour bought a composite development rod a system two reel and had a go at fly fishing of course when you start yourself you've got no one to teach you you get some bad habits so i sort of went off it for a while and um due to a few health issues in the logging you know sitting on skitters and and all that sort of gear it's a bit hard on the back so i thought i'm going to be a fishing guide so i done cocks and stick it and went and bought a boat and i thought what the hell am i doing anyway within within 12 months it was it was sort of a pretty fallen operation and it, it ended up i had i had four boats running in harvey bay yeah mm-hmm. yeah and eventually i sold sold that business out one of the guys that worked for me chozzy he's gone to start his own and then tree bought my business out i think they're still successful in running businesses in harvey bay yeah and um yeah then made the move to come north yeah right yeah, cool man it's yeah. um so did you start from scratch or did you, I, I i i heard a room that you took over from uh took sid's business on is that yeah, well, Sid had actually finished up, and and the business, his business has had dormant for eighteen years, but he still had the long boat that was in survey, and I bought that boat off him. Oh yeah, and re- repaired the boat and refurbished it, and I had a lot of a lot of input from Sid at the time because he was a pioneer in, in Harvey Bay, of course, in the in the fly fishing for the Goldies and and Queenfish on the flats. So mm. Sid sort of pointed me in a lot of di- lot of direction in in that way to start up a charter business instead of general. Um, commercial run-of-the-mill spin gear, but but I definitely chased the fly market at the start. But at the end, there we sort of branched out and we were doing everything. But the fly fishing in the heyday in Harvey Bay was fantastic. You know, on them flats, the, the number of fish you could see over there in a day was was a really viable option. You know, it was fantastic in them good days. You'd see schools of fifty and sixty goldies on the flats. You'd see quite a few permits and GTs. Yeah. It, it was really good back in that early day. Yeah, I I, I want to hear about. Um, sorry, Voss. I don't know if you had any. You sort of got me really interested because I want to hear about some of that good stuff there. But I mean, I want to start mm. sort of backwards and come back around to that. In yeah. that, in that, uh, let me ask you. You know, you're obviously fishing Harvey Bay for guiding there. Did you mm. have you seen it? Have you fished Harvey Bay for a, a lot longer than that ten years you were guiding there? Oh yeah, yeah. I, see, I was born in '71. I'm I'm 50 this year, just to give you a heads up. But um, yeah, <laughs> I started fishing the bay when I was probably eight years old, eight or nine years old. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, at an early age, I joined the, the local sport fishing club in Maribor, which was pretty big in the answer days. And we used to do a lot of light tackle fishing in the bay, chasing all sorts of fish on the flats. You know, goldies back then, queenfish, um, GTs, flathead, but all on ultralight spin gear, you know, one or two kilo spin gear. So from that early age, I spent a lot of time in them flats. And, and we used to see a lot of these big fish with their tails in there. And we, oh, I didn't know what the hell they were at the time. So... Then um, it was around the same time when Sid started his guiding operations. I was fishing up there with the fellow Neil Schultz, and we found these fish behind Little Woody Island and went over and there all these big goldies up there tailing on the Yabby banks. And we caught them on spin gear with just gold bombers and minnows. But um, 
yeah, it was pretty pretty unbelievable back then. Just the number of fish that you could see in a day was was fantastic. Yeah, that I mean, this is it's sort of where I'm going, but I mean, I want to hear about some of your more memorable times there for sure, because I think a lot of people that mm. fish it now would probably be spun out with that. But I guess you know, to to just call a spade a spade instead of just beating around the bush in one direction, you've mm. you've seen a, a, a you must have seen a pretty stiff decline in that in that time frame, yeah. I have, yeah, yeah. Look, in, in the early days, Chris, you, it was nothing to go over behind um, Moon Point and on the flats between Moon and Begimber on the seagrass flats, and you you could see schools of goldies three and four hundred metres away coming your way. You could see the you could see the big bow waves are pushing, and these weren't small fish. These are all fish between six and ten kilos, and schools of fifty or sixty fish coming through at a time, and it was it was pretty impressive back then to get in front of them guys and, and put a fly in there was was you're guaranteed to catch in a fish, you know. Weren't, weren't just, they weren't just goldies. There were a few cabies with them. Sometimes you'd find big balls of rays that were covered in caves and GTs, but it, it was it was really world-class fishing. And as time went on, these fish sort of become a valuable asset too for the commercial guys. And I guess the commercial guys, they have to make a living and they, they saw them as, as easy money and they, they'd sort of start to net these schools of fish on the flats. And I, from, from my point of view, I did see the, the numbers of fish actually de decline before our eyes if i could say that yeah and um it was pretty sad to, to be on a school of fish with some fly fishermen and have a commercial guy run a net around right in front of us and take that whole school out it was, it was really heartbreaking so oh yeah we had, had quite a few heated moments there and and some other charter operators did too but um yeah it was it was pretty hard and and towards the end of when i was actually running charters down there i, I I felt the writing was on the wall for that fishery, so that's sort of one of the reasons I, I came north, you know, to sort of chase 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 the gold at the end of the rainbow, so to speak. But yeah, early yeah. days, it was amazing, boys. It was really mind blowing what you'd see over there on them flats. Man, I'm equal parts incredibly impressed to hear stories of schools that big, mm. but incredibly saddened to hear that, like you know, to well to know what it's like now. It's um, yeah, it's that's 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 that's. that's that's staggering in such a short period of time, given how old mm. that waterway is, you know, to go from oh, that to, yep. to, to what it is now, to be to be barely seeing one or two. I think it could, I think it would recover though, you know, if, if, if and when they get commercial guys off the flats or they stop banning, they ban the, you know, personally per netting of Golden Trevally where they do high speed jet boat strings around the schools. If that ever comes to it, I think their numbers would bounce, bounce back because there's definitely the fish there. Yeah. In the deeper water, I just don't think they come onto the flats as much. And from everything I've heard, that a lot of fish are still on that flats, but they're very nocturnal now. They don't go there through the day. They've obviously learned that that it's a danger period and not to get up there. You know. Yeah. I agree. How do they? What would yeah. they do up there at night, mate? If are they, um, uh, you know, are they sight feeding? Obviously, that it'd be really difficult in the dark. Yeah, I think they'd still be up there feeding on on the Abbey Banks on the flats. It's all, it's all obviously tidal dependent because mm. on the high tide they can access all them flats. But no, on a full moon, I've been a, I've been there before on the full moon and see see schools of fish. You can see their tails in the full moon. So they do the same thing at night. Obviously, you know they, their eyes are probably chained in or their sense of smell. They can find yeah. where the where the Abbeys are. But yeah, the, but I know I know fish down um, around Nooseway. I've read reports at Mullet and Taylor that continually get netted like on the north shore of noosa now they migrate around that spot before they come back onto the beach a few k's down so fish do learn when they're in trouble you know and i think these the fish in harvey bay are starting to get wise too and that's nocturnal feeding on the flats yeah that's really yeah, interesting I, I don't think yeah. we give enough credit yeah. to, to their learned learned behavior you know and a hive learned mm. behavior in that respect as well like i think like you said they're just there's a heap of fish deep heaps of fish deep, heaps of goldies but they're just not coming out in the flats. Yeah, seems 
Seems quite that's strange. Right. But... Still catch. Sorry, you're right. Yeah, you still catch them in the deep water there, you know. So the numbers of fish there, and there are big fish, but um, it's through the daytime. It's it's pretty rare to see the big the big schools now, or even big numbers of them. Um, even the big fish. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's always yeah. the um the the pocket rockets. That's it. Harvey yeah, Bay. Big fish, no, no, yeah. Harvey Bay always had, you know, from from what I've seen in Australia, on on average, the you know the the generally the biggest flats goldies, you know, um. You know, I'm yet to see somewhere that produced that many, as many, um, you know, 90 plus centimetre fish on the flats. I'm not saying they don't occur in other other places, but you know, they were they were the the um, the regular. You know, they were the norm rather than the exception. You know, and you, there's yeah. not too many other places that that have you know an average size that Harvey Bay did in its in its um in its heyday. Maybe maybe Exmouth in a few spots. I don't yeah. know, but yeah, but yeah, that was just. Just incredible. Uh, I came in probably like Chris right on the tail end of it um, in terms mm. of, you know, of the exceptional fishing. Um, yeah. Yeah, but, geez, it, it's sort of – it's hard to have the conversation as a fly fisherman about Harvey Bay and, and not reflect mm. on what, what's been lost, you know? like I know. It's it's sad that it's gone. And, you know, I don't think it's gone forever. I do think the day will come where, where it will be a recreational-only fishery. And, and those fish, well, I hope those fish will come back. I'm pretty confident they will. But mm. in the interim period, you've got this current generation of up-and-coming fly fishermen that are never going to experience that in, in Harvey Bay, you know, and that that's a sad part. Mm. Um, but yeah. the hundred, definitely about the size of the fish faulty. Like, even up in Weeper here, we get, we get a lot of goldies up here on the flats, but you don't get those 20-pound fish, you know. You do get them out in the deep water, but you just very, yeah. very rarely see one up in the shallow water. I know there's a few spots in Queensland. I know John Hankey that's guiding up in Bowen. He's... Mm. Crack the code, and he's get, starting to get some big fish on the flats there regularly. Mm. Um, but I don't think the area is as massive as the Harvey Bay area was in its heyday. You know, as far as geographical. So. Oh, ha- Harvey Bay is an immense amount of flats. You know, like mm. it, it, and and when you're actually on them too, it's sort of um, it's it's a lot bigger than what it looks like on Google Earth. I know that sounds oh, yeah. bloody yeah. obvious, but it is it is literally, you know, if you're down Little Woody Way, you you won't be seeing what the boat's up on, you know, even, you know, Blackfellow Point and that further yeah. up, you know, like let yeah. alone Moon, um, Christie's and up there. So, Oh, that's yeah. right. You can fish four or five days on them flats and you wouldn't cover it all if you were to fish it thoroughly, you know. It's just that big an area. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Just incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, really good. And, you know, it's funny how um, the, the timing of this, um, you know, we spoke just before you came on or off air, we were talking about, you know, the, the recent floods we've had in, in Brisbane and South East Queensland. And that sort of mimicked a lot of, um, of uh, 2011, you know, in terms of the time of year, the volume of the flood, the disruption to the, to the e- ecosystem. Um, tell us about how you remember, you know, 2011 floods uh, affecting the Great Sandy Straits area. Yeah, well, Generally, when you get a, 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 a big flood, like a major flood event come down the Mary, for, for what I found for the two weeks after the flood, the fishing would sort of die off. And I, I'd always call it, in my term, freshwater shock syndrome, where the water temperatures would drop five or six degrees. You'd have this big influx of freshwater come out and all the fish would sort of go into shock. It's still the bait fishers would catch a few grunners and, and live bait jacks and those sort of things. But for all of the, the fish that we chase, you know, the, the, the fish would want to sight fish or... Um, you know, your pelagics, they'd, they'd either move offshore, they'd go into a state, they wouldn't feed for a few weeks, but as soon as that salt started to push back in, it, it, it things had really light up, and within a, a month, usually a month or two months after that fresh, it, 
the, the salt water pushed back in and the, the ecosystem had come alive and it was that was my favourite time to fish in there. I'd get excited when a flood had come down because I knew you'd have a couple of weeks of quiet fishing, but then once it started to fire up, it'd be really, really good. So, so yeah. was it? Can I just ask? Was it disappointing when you'd be out on the water and you'd see parts of Gimpy float past? Was no, it wasn't actually. <laughs> <laughs> Depends which parts come. Well, I do remember houses and shits coming down the river. That was that was pretty wild. Yeah, yeah. yeah and even after, I shouldn't. After a few floods, yeah. we, we actually found with this with that's when the side imaging technology was just, just sort of first coming in, and you, and you could go along. You'd find a yacht on its side in twenty feet of water with a mast line across the bottom, or you'd find a set of cattle yards or a car or something. And huh. um, yeah, you just go back and fish it next season and you'd usually catch a few barrels or something off it <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's, yeah, it's really it's really sad for for the communities that you know when when this happens but um and i, I hate to trivialize the the loss you know so i apologize to gimpy um mm. but it, it floods a lot yeah yeah it does and those floods up around 20 meters when they come through gimpy they cause a hell of a lot of damage you know a lot of heartbreak you know there's homes there that have probably been underwater a dozen times in the last 40 years that um it'd be pretty hard to live through Mm. Yeah, mm, that's for sure. But anyway, it's just a cycle of nature, and it's um, it's something that you can't change. Obviously, it's going to be with us forever. So let's um, yeah. how do how do we bring up the subject of um, in regards to the cycle of nature about mm. sharks? The shark. Oh, that's a can of worms. That one, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that's why we've got the experts on the show, mate. Yeah, yeah. You didn't introduce them. Where are they? <laughs> <laughs> I must have missed them once. No, look back, back, back in um, oh, what year? Probably two thousand and five through till two thousand and twelve, two thousand thirteen. Sharks weren't an issue in Harvey Bay. If we lost a tuna or a goldie or a queenie or whatever to a shark, it was a bit of a novelty. You know, oh, look, a shark got me fish. How cool is that? You know, but you'd lose three or four fish for a year, which was what mm. I thought was the norm, but. Within between like 2015 onwards to 2020, the shark numbers exploded, and it's not just in Harvey Bay. From all the fishermen that I talk to and guides across the country, it's right around the whole, the whole of Australia. You know, most of these sharks seem to be big bullies that have become very boat wise. The only thing I can put it down to is possibly more catch and release by by um, recreational anglers and the fish. The sharks have actually learnt to hang under the fish. But another interesting factor is the government back then. The, the Labor slash Green government banned the killing of sharks over 1.5 metres in length in Australian waters. And it seems to be since that time that this problem's happened. So to me, it, it's 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 quite simple. If you ban the killing of an apex predator and you harvest all the other fish continually, well, what's going to happen? The apex predator's numbers are going to go through the roof, which is what we seem to be seeing now. So every year this problem seems to be getting worse. Even in Weeper here, the guys that up here where the guys catch the sailfish and, and the billfish 25 miles offshore, up until three years ago, they'd never lose a fish to a bull shark. But now the bull sharks have become a big problem even for the sailfish guys out there in the middle of nowhere. So, yeah, yeah it's definitely a problem that's happening. Our, our barra fishery on the beach now, we'd never see a shark. And now you, you'll be fishing off the beach and you'll have six and seven foot bullies just, con just constantly patrolling the beach where you're fishing. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely seeing an explosion in bull shark numbers. And that seems to be the only species too, guys. It's not like lemon sharks or or um, bronzies or hammerheads or any of that, they seem to be kept at a normal level. It's just the bull shark population I've seen that's, that's gone through the roof, and it's yeah, it's a bit of a worry. I don't know where it's going to end that one, but, um, yeah, it's, it's not good. And it, it, it is a bit of an issue for us too. We've, these big fellas come and sit under the boat, and they're pretty aggressive and switched on. And it's 
I think it's just a matter of time. Somewhere in Australia, someone's going to fall out of a boat and one of these fellas is going to get eaten because, they're, like I said, these fish, as soon as you throw a tuna head or anything over the side, they're straight onto it. You know, It's pretty, pretty ugly, isn't it? It know? is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I was down the beach the other day barrow fishing with my young fellow Jacko and he threw a stick boat out of this bit of a rock shelf in two metres of water and this massive surfic explosion. It was about a five-foot bull shark nailed a stick boat off the surface, you know? Wow. Yeah. It's so, pretty scary. Can I ask you with regards, like when you said that, you know, when you're fishing the beach for Barra, mm. are you land-based and these fish are, and these sharks are onto you? No, I'll take the boat down, but we'll, we'll pull up and we'll walk probably a car or two down the beach, you know, but, and it's always in these areas, certain areas where there's rocks or where there's an underwater spring that bubbles out through the beach, that that's where the barrels will tend to school up, but that's also the sharks seem to know they're there, and every year those sharks come back to that same area. Mm, oh yeah. yeah, okay. Only been the last few years. We've never, ever saw them before that. But they're, they're getting to the point you hook a tarpon or a giant herring off the beach and there's a bull shark on him, you know, or there's a hook a six-inch queen and there's a bull shark trying to eat him. It's just, yeah, it's, it's out of control. Jeez. Yeah. I think yeah. it's going to get better before it gets worse. Well, I think we really do need some some constructive conservation or constructive control methods on these sharks. Like, we don't want to see them cult, completely killed out, but I do think there needs to be some culling process to get, especially the problem sharks that are learning the trade, so to speak. I well, think there's there's culprits too, you know. They're, they're, they're obviously mm. quite predictable. Like, yeah. I was up at Weeper once and we went down, way down south with local passports and we went out to this mm. this reef off there and the guy goes, oh, watch this, a couple of bullies will come up. And literally, mate, the first cast, he threw out this, um, you know, Helco rooster popper. Mm. Um, yep. Two bloops and this this popper just gets buzzed by two huge bullies out of nowhere. It's come flying in out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just incredible. Like they, they must know. Um, yep. You know, it it just it's it beggars belief. And like you said, like it's no exaggeration what Mark's saying about people falling, potentially falling overboard. You don't do it. Stay in the boat. You know. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's no, much yeah. safer to get a bottle of water over your head than go for a swim. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but anyway, it's just it's just one of them things that you come to live with and you you know you, some days out there you try and catch a spanish mackerel for the guys and it's just a, it's hopeless but yeah you end up learn a few tricks trying to outrun the mackerel outrun the shark freespill the mackerel and occasionally you get lucky and you will land them so yeah we're, we're sort of learning to live with it now it's, it's sort of it's the new norm i guess you'd say but until like i said until we get some constructive um fisheries decisions and management on these things the problem's not going to go away it'd be a, it's a tough time in in the world to have someone who will sign off on going yeah let's let's kill them again you know let's, let's oh, kill them, you know fine. i mean yeah. talk about political suicide but it yep. i mean the 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 other like we said in regards to the the hypothetical reason which i think is pretty fair enough about taking an apex predator's food away mm. i mean you talk about conserving the life of one animal uh, and it causes yep. a problem when you could conserve the lives of of a lot more animals and do away with the problem as well you know? Oh, 100%. Yeah, I've been talking to some, some pro trout guys that work the East Coast up here, and they say, and they said, for instance, they might have a three-ton quota on um, live trout for export. This is before all the um, COVID hit, shut it down. But mm. nowadays, they, they've ac they actually got to kill about 10 or 12 tonne of trout to put that three-tonne of trout live in their boat because shark predation is so fierce, you know. So it's, it's, it's actually not doing a real good thing for the environment, you know. Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, it's it's funny, like you know, you hear of, um, you know, and, and uh, I'm trying to think of the way the word, like the the 
American model of um, of fish and game management, you know, on, on land mm-hmm. about yeah. about um, knowing how many predators are around and 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 the mm-hmm. way, and I really don't know enough about it to go on too much about it, but it just seems, yeah. you know, the the out of sight, out of mind because it lives underwater. Um, yep. Yeah, that's that. You know, that's it's not it's not worth managing, or it's it's no. There's no easy way to quantify it to make it a problem other than what these Yahoo fishermen say. Really, yeah, that's it's, exactly right. Yep, they yeah. don't want to hear us. You know, look until a politician's son or daughter or someone like that gets taken by one, you won't see any changes. But that that's probably what's going to happen to make make a change. You know. Yeah. I'm going yeah. to jump in here with a with a pet pet topic of mine. Yeah. Where Where are you on uh, recreational fishing license? Is that an ambush question? You're happy to answer that one? Yeah. No. I'll, yeah. I'll talk about it happily. Yeah. Yeah, I think like if if, if if the recreational fishermen paid paid a fee, an annual fee, and if that money went back into boat ramp maintenance, um, you know, creating decent launch and retrieval facilities, buying out commercial licences, even down the track to the point of funding fisheries, say to to, to restock estuaries with with barrows and jewies and flatheads, whatever. Yeah, I'm I'm 100 for it as long as the money gets channeled back into into the into the um into the nature into the system and makes it better for the recreational angle i'm 100 for it i think it's a good thing yeah 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 well i'd just be happy to be recognized like accurately yeah, numbered yeah. you know as, well, as a resource yeah 100 that's probably the best thing that could come out of it we would have recognition then and we would have a bit of political pull in, in some of the bigger issues Volta. you know mm. we wouldn't be just an, an another registration or another number mm. yep. yeah yeah but look i know a lot of the the guys are against it and i can see the pros and cons for both of them but my personal view is yeah if if, if you want to pay for it and as long as the money goes back into it, it it's a good thing you know mm. as it long as it the, oh, enhances sorry. the fishery no sorry and if it enhances the fishery and makes things a lot easier and better long term especially for the next generation of fishermen that come through yeah i'm all for it yeah mm. can while i'm at it too mate if, if i was prime minister for a day i'd, I'd jack up <laughs> the uh the registration on jet skis probably 400 percent and channel that extra money into <laughs> yeah, yeah. into hatcheries and <laughs> yeah well vote falsy yeah i, I like <laughs> oh, yeah I'll, uh, you got my vote yeah <laughs> <laughs> the niada of Narang. yeah <laughs> oh yeah yeah no it's uh it, there couldn't be too many circumstances where people um uh, uh, shouting out, shut up and take my money. I mean, fishing licences and KFC are the only two circumstances <laughs> I can think of. Oh, mate, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh well, hopefully we'll get there one day. It's just, um, yeah. we could we could be on the eve of um of of um, I mean, like fisheries do a great job. I, I saw them. I saw on Facebook today. Like them, some busts they made in in southeast Queensland from people doing the wrong thing and they i mean they do a good job they get let down in the judicial system by the looks of it but yeah you know yep. yeah yep. so you know 100 percent. and look i'm not knocking fishery but this this bull shark issue is something that they will have to address because because you know the amount of fishermen out now that that are getting their back up against these sharks sooner or later it's going to have to they're going to have to put a spotlight on it and and do something and i think deep down there are fisheries officers who know there's an issue there but they do keep tight lip, but no, look, look, don't get me wrong. Fisheries, Queensland fisheries, it's a massive job, and they've got limited resources to manage it. And I think, you know, they do a pretty reasonable job for what they're doing. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's a huge amount of coastline. You know? Oh, it's massive. People yeah. fishing twenty four hours a day. You know, it's it's, it's got to be yeah. wild to try and manage. That's for sure. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And they can only do their hands are tied with a lot of issues too. But don't, but no, look, don't get me wrong. It's better to have some system than no system. And I think what what mm. we've got 
probably is better than a lot of other countries. But yeah, mm. there are some issues there that that are upcoming issues that they, they're going to have to look at sooner or later. And whether they butt head with with the green side of the politics, which is I think is going to be what stops them from doing what needs to be done, you know. But um, mm. yeah, it'll be interesting. Interesting yeah. times ahead. I don't yeah. envy them at all. You know, it's no, um, no. it's it's a tough thing to balance up all the different points of view, and um, like you said, mm. political correctness and community expectations is slowly shifting towards, um, you know, more and more, um, you know, things that are palatable. Nobody wants to stick their neck out and, and make these tough decisions. Yeah, hundred um, percent. It's a popularity contest, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Yep. yep. Yeah. Wow. Anyway. All right, well, let's let's get out of this dark, dark um, <laughs> subject. Dark corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good yeah, one, yeah. Chris. Yeah. I'm, that, depressed. I'm depressed now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good <laughs> on you, Chris. Took us there, mate. Yeah, Fuck. thanks, Chris. Top no, like, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> we had... <laughs> I'll leave you to it, eh? Let's, uh, let me have the show, guys. <laughs> um, right, I'm going to pull us up to, to, into a... We're going to go out of the dark place and we're going to move into a wonderland. So, uh, so you moved after... after um, after ten years in as in guiding in Harvey Bay, you you upped and moved as you mentioned to Weeper. Yeah, packed the family yeah. up and headed north. Yeah. Yeah, right. Eh? Yeah. So yeah, so every everyone moved up there. So it's a it's a full the full um northern change. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, we we had a beautiful. We still got a beautiful block in Harvey Bay. The new house. We moved up into a little three bedroom mining house, which was a bit of a letdown. But uh, at the start, it was just going to be a two year plan, but it's obviously going to be a bit longer now. So. <laughs> it, it's yeah. been good. It's been good for the family. They, they've met a lot of new people. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot more. Um, it's a better lifestyle town up here, guys. You know, you can fish, you can hunt, you can camp. There's no, no entry signs. You know, no fishing signs. It's just all pretty, still pretty free up here. You know. Yeah. 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 That's um. That was one of my next questions. Like, you know, you know, a lot of people have been to Weeper to fish for Weeper and stuff like that. But moving to Weeper must have been like a bit of a, a bit of a, a change. Like in lifestyle, mm. as you mentioned there. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, you've been going up there for what do you say, eight years working with fish prior to moving up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, you're but, used to the area, but um, like it must have been a bit different just moving there, though. Oh yeah. Well, I'd, I'd sort of had a fair insight to the area because I'd been been up here enough working for fish and had weekends off, and we'd go for a drive and a look. So I had it pretty well sussed out before I moved up. But um, I really wanted the family to experience Cape York while it was still good you know mm. um when, when i say good it's going to be it's going to be great for a long time a lot of, lot of the country up here is aboriginal land so it's never going to be developed it's never going to be you know raped or pillaged or farmed a bit of mining goes up on here for 3010 over that's just you know i think economically that you're going to have to get that in certain places mm. and because weep is a deep water port one of the only two deep water ports up here in cape york so it's just sort of been going there for 50 odd years that mine so mm. yeah um no sign of it slowing down. They've got leases over the river. There's another 80 or 90 years expectancy in their in their mining leases up here. So um, there's still going to be a township of Weeper for a long time to come. Yeah, but yeah. it's a great place as a, as a as a central sort of area for all the communities around the place. You know, all, all the Aboriginal communities and some of the um, cattle farming operations around the place. Weeper sort of a home base where they can get supplies and um, come. Come to the pub and have a beer and do all that sort of stuff. So. It's come a long way, hasn't it, Weep? But like, it's it's got a lot of the the modern amenities, you know, mm. that people come to expect. Um, you know, obviously the, the mining industry has has a lot of lot of um, you know disposable income, which you well, know yeah. leads leads to you know a few a few positive changes. Um, you know, I've heard that 
you know, the the level of restaurants and there's, you know, coffee shops and shit, shit like that in in Weeper now mm. is pretty good, right? And there's there's, there's even like um, hair removal salons for Peltman. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he does it, himself, does it himself now. Oh, does he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, so, but there is. There's, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a funny one. Um, yeah, no, no, there's definitely, um, there's definitely Rio Tenno wants to make yeah. it attractive for their for their sort of people to come up here and work. So, so you know, we've got a Woolworths there. The only you do suffer from supply at times, especially in the wet season when you can't truck any product in by road and you're in relying on barges. So if you get a, if you get a tropical low or something like that across the top, you might be two weeks without a barge, so you don't get fresh fruit and veggies for a couple of weeks. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're minor things, a few minor supply issues, and this is probably the worst time of the year through the wet season now. But but you know through the dry season, there's trucks running every day coming in and out of cans, so you, you get some good good supply up here. But no, Rio Tenno do a pretty good job. They sort of keep the town running and 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 sort of everything stocked up. It's oh, I find it quite comfortable. Some of the best drinking water comes straight out the ground here because it's all pumped from inland aquifers and it's it's sort of filtered through all the books. So it's, it's as far as I'm concerned, some of the sweetest water in the country to drink that comes from here. It's supposed to come down from New Guinea from up in the highlands and come under the Torres Straits and bubble up 30 k's out of town here. So, Oh, I'm glad you said that. I, was, I, I, I must have been up there in, um, I know, 2004, and I was on a trip with a dude who was a, a doctor of geology, and he was telling me that the Jardini was, uh, the Jardine River was, was fed from a spring in mm. New Guinea, you know, and um, yep. I've yep. told so many people since they're like, as if. <laughs> But no, you, true, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, I, yeah. Well, that's 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 um that's pretty good, as you can tell. I'm quite shocked to hear you say that because I've um <laughs> I've told people for years and they've just um, not believed me. So that's um, so yeah, take that, you bastards. Yeah, yeah. I've made you look smart now, Chris. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty mean effort too. <laughs> yeah, I've done well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's um yeah, mate. I, I hear what you're saying. It's uh, what's the what's the wet season been like up there this year? On and off, you know, it started off really well, and it, it it's normally will get rain every day, like big afternoon storms. People think a wet season just, season just rains twenty four hours a day, but it doesn't. You'll get a build up, and you'll get a you'll get a storm in the afternoon at four or five o'clock, and it'll rain most of the night. And the next morning will be dead calm and fine. That sort of happens every day, and you'll get fifty, eighty, hundred mils every day. But this year, it sort of started really well, and it's stopped for two weeks. It's been on and off, so it's it's a funny wet season. Everywhere's full of water. All the creeks and rivers and swamps are full, but and we're getting plenty of runoff. But it, we could have had a bigger one, you know. But um, Last mm. year was a really good one. It's about I think we get about two and a half meters of rain in in three months. Yeah. That's our wet season. Then you probably get fifteen mil of rain for the other bloody eight or nine months of the year. <laughs> so, um, is there any sort of pattern like a lot of you know a lot of people just assume a big wet means you know good barra fishing the following year? Is it mm. is there more to it than that? Is there a certain type of like you know good? Do you need good rain late or early in the season or? or, or oh. Yeah. If you get that, as long as you get that around two metres of rain, um, usually starts around end of November, mid-December and, and rains till the end of March. And generally, fish has historically started his charters on the first day of April because that's generally about when the wet season finishes up here. You know, it can be a few days either side. Last year it hung around for another couple of weeks. Mm. Um, but what the wet season up here does, because the Gulf is, is a massive... Um, there's a massive banana prawn fishery up here. They trawl up tons and tons of them. So, through the wet season, all the banana prawns spawn and do their thing. So, sort of from about now, you know, mid February 
onwards, you'll get all the baby jelly prawns on the beach, and they'll, they'll be masses of these things. You can run an aquarium dip nip through the through the edge of the water and pull a keel up in a big ball. So that seems to be the start of the, the food chain, you know. And everything comes in there to feed on them. You see meter barrows and they're eating 10 mil long jelly prawns, just sort of sucking them in like lollies. They can be really hard to get a bite from when they're like that. But, mm. but yeah, once that, you get a good wet season, you get a good prawn breeding season and everything follows suit, you know. But generally, if you get a big wet, the next couple of years are pretty good fishing. But it's... Um, you know, you seem to get rain every year up here in that wet season. You're never going to get rid of it. So it's just a storm in here about an hour ago. Actually, we had a, a river come through. So mm. yeah, yeah, it was hosing yeah. down when we first got you on the on the phone before we started recording, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we start chartering in a week, so I hope they're they're gone by then. But I'll be throwing a raincoat in the boat, I think, just in case. So <laughs> I reckon we'll get a wet ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's there to do in the in the off season around there? I mean, um, I mean, I'm sure you guys are still fishing, but what about mm. um? I see you guys and, and you and your son are into the bit of hunting as well up there. Yeah, a lot of lot of feral pigs and um, scrub cattle up here. You know, scrub bulls. But yeah, yeah. my son's a mad keen bow hunter. He's got contacts on big properties just inland. He goes in and hunts hunts a lot of pigs on there. Um, quite often we'll be we'll be fishing on a charter, fly fishing down the beach, and there'll be feral pigs walking up and down the beach just next to us. But they don't seem to worry that much. They just see and wander off into the bush. But yeah, there's plenty to do. There's there's sort of unlimited fishing, hunting and camping up here if you've got your mindset for it. A lot of people up here have the quad bikes and the buggies and they go crazy in the wet season and go and get mud over everything and uh, drink a lot of beer and do all blokey sort of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you'd, pre- you'd probably like it. You'd probably like it. Yeah, yeah. alcohol and machinery. That sounds like... Um, perfect. Good... Alcohol and guns. That's a perfect mix. Al- <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mate, yeah, sign me up. No. <laughs> Only kidding. That's a... yeah. Mate, why don't you tell us a bit more about uh, your operation? I know we've glanced over it a few times through the interview. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah, so you got a you got a few boats run running out of there at the moment, eh? Yeah, I'm down one boat this year. We got we got um, well, as you know, su- supply and demand. This year, you, you you can't buy new cars, you can't buy new outboards. So we've got one boat with. No motor on it that um, was supposed to be here now, but it's they're talking July or August, which is a bit of a pain. So yeah. um, we're going to struggle through. We've just got enough boats. There's a few weeks here. I'll, I'll have to lease a boat, but we generally run run three to five boats out of Weeper here. With um, we we do a lot of group charters, or we get a lot of we might get a group of four and then a group of two to make up the numbers. We keep our clients at the lodge at the caravan park with our own chef. Oh yeah, it's a, mm. it's pretty slick operation um you know seven in the morning we pick the guys up and fish till about four thirty in the afternoon drop them back and they got nibblies and and you know sashimi and beers and all the stuff that they want back there uh, we do concentrate mainly on the saltwater fly fishing but we, we will use conventional tackle to fill in the gaps throughout the year um yep. probably the best time to fly fish is april may june that's that's when the beaches are on fire up here with the jelly prawns you know there's just unbelievable Diamond Trevally, Tarpons and John Hearing. Some days it's, it's 100 fish days, you know, if you want to throw little clouses around. But then we've got the other spectrum of fly guys who want to just target a permit or a blue bastard or a, or a tusky. And so you spend most of the day on chasing them things down, you know, to get that one fish. You know, it's like just a typical sight fishing. If it's harder to catch, the more they want to catch it. So, mm-hmm. which is fine. I'd prefer to spend time doing that myself. But it is yeah. refreshing to go to the beach and catch a bunch of blue salmons or queenies or tarpons. Bargy, can I ask from your point of view, not not as a guide, but as an angler, what's your um, your favourite fly fishing target up at Weaver? 
Uh, probably. Oh, I like me bears. I, I love bear. I've always loved bear fishing because I sat them pretty wide down in, in southeast Queensland in the Mary down there. So I still like bear fishing. Um, uh-huh. But per- permits are certainly one of my favourites. I, I, I don't pick a rod up a lot nowadays because I'm out there sort of doing it as a job. And it's got to be something pretty special for me to pick a rod up and have a cast. But mm-hmm. yeah, I do enjoy the permit fishing. We do some permit trips up here in the last half of the year where we we. We've never drawn a blank on a permit trip. I I'd, uh, probably will now. Now said that we probably will, but uh oh, I can edit yeah, that yeah, out, yeah, buddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, how many yeah. permit are you on now? Um, I thirty three. I've caught. Yeah, nice. Yep. Yeah, one in Harvey Bay and thirty two up here. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that one in Harvey, that one on Black Torpedoes is the one you got in Harvey Bay, is it? That's the one. Yep, yep. Yeah. That's the, that, that's awesome. The one you. The only one you got down here that is the one that was on film. That's oh, that's, I just had Taz in the boat. So let's go and catch one of these freaking permits. They give me the shit. So <laughs> we went and done it. And I thought, oh hell, I should have been saying that more often. But yeah, no, I, I we'd <laughs> fished for a long time. Had a few bites that were probably goldies. And I know Paul Dolan caught one at Rooney's a, yeah. six years before. But it was a small fish around twenty five, thirty centimeters. But that one I got was like I guess you'd nearly call it a real one. It was about four or five kilos. So yeah, yeah. I watched yeah. that the other day, mate. What, what was Jolly doing? Did he pop one off, or was that a rock? Oh, that was a stonefish, I think. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Harvey Bay oh, stonefish. <laughs> oh, no. uh, sorry, goals. yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're not really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you 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 still enjoy chasing him when you get the chance, or, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. Still get excited when you see a bunch of perms come up the beach and you see their tails wagging or you see the flashes and you, and you know straight away what they are. So, yeah. Um, but we have had, I, I've got to say this, we've had some pretty arsy clients over the years. One guy, a big fellow, Davey, is a trout and deer hunting guide from um, New Zealand, come over and yeah. we were just fishing in Walden Creek at the front here. It's sort of uh, April, uh, March, April, when the tannin water, the fresh, the runoff was still coming out and he just was dredging with the clouds and catching a few goldies and. Queenies and he caught a permit about six kilos on a white clouds, but I've seen quite a few taken on white clouds, and quite a few milkfish taken on white clouds too up here. So. <laughs> wow! So go figure. I can't work it out, but unbelievable. The white the white clouds is their favourite fly up here. You catch absolutely everything on them things. Man, I, I remember my, my first trip to Weeper. I got advised to take um. Uh, well, uh, my question was, what was what fly solutions did I bring up there? <laughs> um, Fifty white. 50 white 1 0 clouses, 50 that's white 2 0 clouses. That's yeah. it. And probably yeah. one crab and one shrimp fly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, mate. I've still got some of those clouds from that trip, and it was like nearly 20 years ago. It was uh, yeah. really poorly tied, but um, they could, they, mate. <laughs> oh, look, it's a, world, it's a world class fishery up here, no doubt about it. There's, there's probably other places like Exmouth and, and that, that are just as good, maybe better, but I know the weather knocks them out a bit. On mm. that side of the country, we're up in Weeper. It, it's, I think, fish in twenty odd years guiding. He lost three or four days, and that was because there was a cyclone sitting over us, and he couldn't really go out. But um, plenty of options up here. Plenty of beach options where you can. It's and generally from now through till November, December, it's all offshore wind, so you can go as far north and south as you want to fly fish. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And if that fails, and you do get a swell come up the beach, which you do get in the middle of the year sometime, if you get a big southerly down down the Gulf, down Corumba Way, you can just fish the rivers and creek now and still catch fish. So you don't really miss out, you know. It's it's really good for a guide perspective to get your clients on the fish, and even on a tough day, you can go and whack a few queen fish in the river. So that that's pretty special, you know, mm. it's a special place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, 
that's that's pretty easy to underestimate that just those smacking those queenies in the river there that's um mm. that's incredible that's that's I, I bet you've had a plenty of punters on it just gone that is an incredible day and you've you, you've got oh, the boat yeah. ramp in sight the whole time yeah yeah i've had some days you don't even get out the harbour you only travel two or three k's from the boat ramp you just fish the flats across the river there and you're catching queenies and goldies all day and i say to them come on let's go down the beach and have a look and they're like oh we don't really want to leave this so righto righto <laughs> having a good time why would you, uh, you know? yeah get in yeah. boys <laughs> but you do <laughs> see the anglers progress it's funny we've got a lot of clients that i fish with up here for the last eight years you know at the start they just want to catch 100 queenies for the day it's it's oh it's just as fun a fish a cast and these are all trouties right and uh, that aren't used to catching like 100 fish a day they'll catch 100 queenies for a day and then but then five years later it's like oh going for a bear or a BB or something today and and roll on five years to current day they just come up and say oh we want to just want to catch BBs or we want to catch a tusky or a shot at a permit you know so you definitely do see the evolution in in these guys over the years and it's good to be part of it and help them through that and you know teach them a lot on the way yeah that must be pretty satisfying right it's probably the best part of guiding I think is to teaching people and just see the expression on their face when you come to a big bait ball or you know pull up on a snag and you can look down and see 30 or 40 barrows looking at you and yeah it's, it's pretty cool pretty cool to take people and show them that experience i got a question for you what would be um because there's one way i could lead off what we just said there but i think i mean in general what what's a way that a punter could ruin a trip for themselves um Oh, there's several ways they could do that. <laughs> what's, um, a class, look, what's a classic way? What's a what's a, a common? If there's a common way, I'm, not, I'm sure not everyone ruins their trip for themselves. But is there something you've seen people do? You know, maybe they've ignored advice, or maybe they've yeah. got bad advice, or they haven't practiced their cast, or well, yeah. a lot of a lot of guys. And, and you know, look, they, it's not a cheap operation up here. Logistically, it's an expensive place to live and run a boat from, especially with the fuel prices and, and accommodation and everything. But mm. we've got it pretty pretty slick, I think. But but a lot of these guys spend a lot of money on coming fishing once a year, and that's the only time of the year they'll cast a line. And and that's the only time of the year they'll pull their rod out the bag. So we've got guys that that have come up here and they'll open their fly rod up, and the runners are all corroded, and their reel won't work because it's corroded up it's never been washed from the season before or their, oh. their fly line falls to bits when they pull it out the bag but after saying that a lot of these guys too on the other on the upside they're professional doctors and surgeons and, and a lot of high-end clients here that they get a week off to go fishing that's their out time so they're not really here for the fishing if you can understand that it's just the whole yeah the whole being away being away from the phone for a week just being away from everything for a week and just being one of the boys you know mm-hmm. um but i think yeah definitely um casting a bit of casting tuition before you come goes a long way um a bit of tackle maintenance and and you know get some nice clean flies some guys turn up and they say oh, here's me flies you choose one and they'll have a tobacco tin with four flies in it and what i uh. say where's, where's your fly boxes and they go this is it <laughs> i say, oh. I say mate what are you going to do in the next day you've lost them all <laughs> So uh, I got a friend, actually, a friend of mine, Damo, lives in Brisbane. He used to be a um, shotgun shooter, champion shotgun shooter, Damien Berg, and he he ties me up bags of clouses. So I got a few of them in the boat now. So yeah, he's okay. the man who coined the coined the term starvation stick, isn't he? That's the man. That's Damo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. No, he's a good fellow. I'm trying to get him to drive a guide boat up here. I'll just keep working on him. I think I'll get him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh mate, he's a nice guy, mate. He'd be a good, he'd be a great guy. It'd be good to have on, be on the boat all day with him, sure. Oh, a lot of people love him. Yeah, you know, you need you need people that that uh, can talk 
talk shit all day to people, no matter who they are, and, and they get on with people, and and you know nothing, nothing's got to be a drama. If people want to go in early or go over there and have a look, you just do it for them, you know. Yeah. What, make, what makes a bad guy, mate? In your opinion? Uh, you can't have someone that's angry. You know, you got to have someone that if someone wants to go and if a client wants wishes to go and do something, you you, you know you, you you can if you think it's the wrong thing, you could just give them a few. Say, look, I don't think that's right. We'll do that. But yeah, you can't have an angry guy that doesn't gel with the clients. Uh-huh. Um, and a good guide doesn't necessarily have to be a really good angler, you know, as long as you know the lay of the land and where the fish are going to be. Um, yeah. You can make a decent cup of coffee and you can um, talk the talk through the day, you know. And, you, and like, like you got a lot of these guys are your mate. You're in the boat for a week with them, so you've got to be their mate for a week. And look, 99% of the guys we get up here, they're they really good fellas, and it's, you actually look forward to them coming back the next year. We've got a lot of regulars here that, that fish has sort of had come and go over the years, and... and some come up every two years, some come up every year, some come three times a year. Yeah. You know, and they're all good guys. At the end of the day, they're all, like, you know, like I said, a lot of these guys are high-end professionals, but at mm. the end of the day, they're just a, a bloke that wants to get out in the boat and talk about a bit of bloody whatever and politics mm. or, or boobs or <laughs> what, or whatnot and, and catch a fish, you know. Their so, favourite crab fly. It's always yes, a good one. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're all we're all fishing's a great level of like that. It's it's amazing um, in terms of it brings people together that right. you wouldn't normally you know be in contact with. Um, you know, I'm thinking about my circle of fly fishing mates, and you know, in the real world, I probably wouldn't talk to them. Or we just probably mm. wouldn't even know they existed. You know, yeah, um, but very it, true. Yeah, it just brings brings people together, gives you common ground, and yep. you know, it, it's just great. <clears throat> uh, you know, as well as being a, as a good active pastime that uses the um the uh outdoors as as a you know as a positive experience um a hundred percent you know when you get some some new guys that come on the boat and you don't know who they are you, you can be standing next to a guy that that owns half of the freaking world and he, he's fishing in the boat next to you or he could be an ex bloody oh we've had the um ex ceo of apple america fish with us up here and i was, I was putting shit on him all week i thought he was some dago fella i was like what do you do for a living he said oh I'd, I got the golden handshake. Oh, I said, oh, yeah, what was that? He said, oh, I used to be CEO of Apple America. I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're getting a good tip then, right? You no, know? nah, I just yeah. still told him he was useless after that. But... <laughs> 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 no, he done, he done pretty well. He caught a lot of fish, yeah. Yeah, yeah but, yeah. you know, it's a good, like you said, it's a great leveler. You get all walks of life come on the boat. It's, it's really good. Meet a lot of new friends, and some of them people are friends for life. Yeah. Hey, um... Buggy, I, I ask this to every every uh, guide we get from Northern Australia. You got any good croc stories for us, mate? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, where can I start? Yeah, no, why you know, why you know, there's a lot of crocodiles up here. We see them every day, and you sort of don't, you know, first time you up here and see crocodiles, are like, whoa, a croc. But after a few years, like, oh yeah, mm. whatever. Just like seeing a turtle down in the sandy straits, you just don't even look twice about it. But yeah, but we um. We camped out one night on on a, on a river mouth, and um, there's quite a few feral pigs hanging around. And I knew the TAs there at the time, and they said just get it, get rid of them because they eat the turtles on the beach. So shot a couple of pigs on the beach there, and um, they're probably 30 metres from the water's edge. And next night they were gone. There's a big slide going up to them. Like one of these was a fair pig, but a boar about 70 kilos, and this croc had actually walked up and picked that thing up in its mouth and walked back to the water now that was only 200 meters down the beach from where we were camping our swags were about 15 meters from the water wow. so it sort of makes you think you know that thing 
he could just walk out and pick you up like a donut and just fly. You know, big, big lizard. Like the, the, the foot pads on the thing are as big as a dinner plate and they're probably four feet apart. So that croc could have to be up around the five metre size. So. Bloody hell. Yeah, no, well, we've had, had a, quite a few angry ones come up to the boat and, and bristle themselves up out the water, you know. And, and even when you hunt some of the swamps up here, you always see croc stides going into these swamps. So I think some of them pigs up there would meet a pretty grizzly in, no doubt. Mm. Yeah, been a few guys bitten here over the years, you know, down below the Albatross Hotel. There's a guy there fishing and a, a croc lunged out and grabbed him. And, you know, to this day, he survived. Lucky people come down and pulled him out of the croc's jaws because he had a bear hug on the tree and the croc done a death roll and, and stuffed up his, his leg and all his hip pretty bad. Well, yeah. I remember hearing about that one, actually, yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty pretty famous story. And there's been, I know when they built the Air Force Base out here, Shergar, there's a grader operator who used to go down and sit on a creek and have lunch every day and he just disappeared one day and they found his chair and his fishing rods and that and the big drag marks into the water. So, yeah, there's been there's been a, a few incidents up here over the years. There's been, oh, a guy actually two years ago, he was um, he was camped on a sandbank just up the river there and they said he might have went to sleep on the, on the sandbar and they reckon a croc got him too. They heard him screaming actually from the bridge there, but... I heard about that too. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. from the Sunshine Coast, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. Had a five metre quinny up here, living out of it for a couple of weeks, doing a bit of fishing, and he just camped on the sandbar there and got taken. So, yeah, and and there are the odd problem crocs here that that they they get national parks in to just to relocate them. I think they actually shoot them, but they're the problem crocs that start to lunge at people, and they are they are, they are an animal that has to be shifted on because they will kill someone, you know. Yeah. But probably not the animal's fault. I think a lot of people do the wrong thing and actually feed them there, and the, the crocs dissociate people with food, and that's just sort of where it stems from, you know? Yeah. yeah. Mm. And they can't put them into a farm, apparently, because then big male crocs kill everything. So, yeah, make that's them into a handbag or something. So <laughs> you'd see more hunting, wouldn't you, around the billabongs, wouldn't you? Yeah, they're pretty quiet. They're pretty toey. They, they know you're there. You know, they reckon yeah. they can put their head on the bottom and they got these nerves in the bottom of their jaw and they can actually sense you walking along the bank 20 or 30 metres away. So, yeah, they're, they're not stupid. And they can camouflage really well. You can walk right up to one crystal clear water and you don't see him until you're on top of him. It's going to be pretty scary. Yeah. Mm. But, you know, you learn to live with them. You just don't go do stupid things. Like, quite often in our, we do a safety briefing in the boat every morning, tell the guys all the day, you know, box jellyfish, bull sharks. Crocs don't, don't wade in the water if, unless it's really clean and you can see, you know, stay out of the water. You know, you go through the whole old scenarios with them. And you turn around and they're up to their waist in the water. <laughs> yeah. Get yeah, out the effing water, mate. Yeah. It's something you see quite a bit in um, fishing media now, particularly fly fishing. And, I, and I've seen it in, even in that area, you know. And I, mm. I, I can't help but think, you know, like, I, I'm not trying to point the finger at anyone or, or, or whatever. I hope it doesn't come across like this, but. Just me, I can't help but think that, you know, that's um, it's it's sometimes a little irresponsible to be putting photos up, you know, because you could get someone who do do um doesn't get the opportunity to hear that safety briefing, who thinks that, yep. you know, what I mean, I just I don't know, I don't know, I haven't come across right. It's, it seems like a pretty sketchy place to be sort of promoting standing in the water at any at any it time is. of the year. Yeah, it is. But a lot of people want that photo of their fish, a really good photo, and and definitely those in water shots holding a permit or a BB. If you're kneeling down in the water, and they're fantastic shots. But I think probably social media's got a lot to blame for that. You know, all the new the new generation of rock stars coming through that all want to be fly fishermen, and so it's yeah. who gets the best photo and the most likes on Facebook. Yeah, you guys know what it's like, you know. Yeah, oh, <laughs> it makes a great photo, that's for sure. But it's, it's still um. Still that yep. responsibility, I guess, and, and I'm not mm. trying to put a, you know, be the wet blanket with it. I, I like the photos, mm. but, you know, 
I don't know. 100%, yeah. but you don't put your life at risk just to get a photo, boys, you know, because you know, we, we got Irukandi, you've got box jelly. Actually, my young fella got stung with a box jellyfish a few weeks ago and got a free helicopter ride to the hospital. So. Oh, yeah. you got all those hidden dangers, not just crocodiles, just bull sharks, there's Irukandis, stonefish, you know, there's, there's everything up here that can kill you. So yeah, you've got, you've got to be a bit careful about it. Like I say to my clients, if it's crystal clear water and you can see right, at, you can see three or four hundred metres across that flat and you knee deep water, I said, yeah, you can walk out there, but don't get out near that dark edge. And if your clouds come over, get get back here, you know. Yeah, even then, still you're probably like if, if there's if it's irukandji around for that time of year, you know, mm. still um, mm. still uh, you know, you you'd be struggling because they're only tiny, aren't they? Those things are like oh, thumbnails of a squash or, ball yeah. or something, are they? Yeah, and you don't actually feel a sting apparently on an irukandi, but you just your heart stops beating, which you feel that I suppose. But you don't you don't feel a sting. Where a box jellyfish, you'll feel the pain. It's intense pain. Hey, wow! Yeah, I've been flicked by a few when you cast net. You know, if you get a couple of bait guys through the year to keep the charters rolling, you get a few bait guys. You'll throw a cast net, and you'll get a, a bit of jellyfish tentacles flick you on the inside the wrist or something. Yeah, you know, it's it's a bit of a burn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. wow. Through, through the soles of your feet and your hands, it doesn't hurt you because your skin's pretty thick there. But, but it's on the back of your arms and legs where your skin's really thick, around your waist, around your stomach. That's that's a danger area. If you get tentacles around them, you can be in a bit of trouble pretty quick. Well, yeah, I've um I've copped uh, even blue bottles across the chest while I've been surfing. You just paddle it, duck dive mm-hmm. under a wave, and it comes up. Yeah, that that's enough to jolt your heart, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah and I think the boxies are a, a bit more potent than a blue bottle. You know, I think oh, they're the most toxic animal on the planet they're bad news and there's hundreds around this time of the year i think they come in when the jelly prawn are all on the beach they actually come in to spawn or do their jellyfish things whatever they do but yeah they obviously feed on on the all the jelly prawn too at that same time yeah yeah mm. yeah i think that's fair enough to say that a um a, a box jellyfish hurt a little bit more than a blue bottle blue bottles hurt like a bastard but yeah box jellyfish will kill you <laughs> yeah yeah your heart stops within two minutes if you get a good dose they're pretty bad really wow yeah yeah, yeah. Ah, mate, that's that's pretty wild. I mean, but uh, blue bottle can be pretty intense, but it's just it's more inconvenience, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just anyway. like getting yelled at by the wife, you know, you get over it, but a box jellyfish. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good way to put it. That's for sure. <laughs> I've lived it. I've lived it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, um, buggy. What's uh what's the deal with the um with the billfish fishery up there and, and um fly fishing is it still evolving or? Yeah, look, some of, some of the guys, um, Ben Bright and there's a couple other guys up here, but but not so. It's probably done more of it than anyone. I know fishing a few of the guys. They've gone out and caught sales, and they've had some days where it's it's, it's thirty bites for a day on sales. You know, it mm. can be fantastic. But yeah, but it's sort of. Some people go out and do it, and and then you don't. No one sort of does much for a couple of years. But when certainly when the sales are, are hot to trot, and everyone, you know, there's a because it's a mining town, disposable income. Everyone up here's got big boats with big outboards, and a lot of the guys. There's a pretty solid billfish crub up here, and they all go out and start to catch them. There's always one of the guys out there, and they sort of let everyone know when the billies are on. So that's probably the time to do it. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a viable option when 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 they find them. Yeah, um, they can roam over a fair area, but look, these guys have got it wide, you know. Like not on the boys, I'll go out and find the frigate circling, and I'll see a cloud float next to a log on the horizon or something. And that's where you go and catch catch their sailfish. But um, they certainly go and work the contour lines, you know, twenty mile offshore, and that, that's where they catch them. But these these billfish do come in shore, and we do get quite a, a spattering of, of nice marlin up here. And up to two three hundred kilo fish can come right in here. So, mm. how, how close um, has come right in? 
Oh, we hooked one in, in 20 feet of water just down south past Norman Creek one day. I had some guys there that weren't really anglers one day. They were having trouble casting a spin rod, but I just trolled a pop around uh, catching meter queenies off this rock point. Mm-hmm. And um, I saw this, this fish go past the boat, and I thought, oh, I thought that was a big marlin from past the boat. Anyway, it can't be on the popper, and they hooked the damn thing and fought it for five hours. But a damn bull shark got it next to the boat about five mile offshore. But that fish was probably 250 kilos, and he was only 400 metres off the beach. Yeah. Yeah, come right in shore. But these river mouths, I know fish and the boys had a tuna eating one day just in the mouth of the river here, and it was, I reckon it was a 400-pound marlin. Oh, yeah, so they're cool. here. They're definitely here. And there's a lot of small ones. I saw a school, actually, only a year before last, Justin Duggan from Sydney Fly Fishing come up and... He does a bit of guiding with us at times, so it was a trip when he was up, and he wasn't far from us on a, on a bit of a current line. There was a lot of long tails, and I had a school of four. I don't, I'm still not sure if they were sails or little blacks, but them fish were only about six or 700 long, and they come up to the bait like a bunch of little spotty mackerel and somewhere, and then buzzed off, you know. So, yeah. yeah, no, it's pretty cool. They have had quite a few recaptures of tag sailfish from out here too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, no, there's certainly a viable fishery up here, and I think, one day someone will put a 30 or 40 footer in there, you know, black watch or whatever, and, and go and do it, and they'll probably do pretty well out of it. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Did yeah. that guy who hooked that um, that, that one on the popper mm-hmm. and fought it for five hours only lose it both sides to a bull shark, did yeah. he ever fish again? <laughs> Not that day. He lay in the corner of the boat sucking his thumb, I think, for the rest of the afternoon. <laughs> you were saying that they weren't, you know, that they were struggling to catch a spin rod, those guys. I mean, the cast a spin rod, I should say, you know, so they weren't, they weren't super experienced fishermen. No. Mate, no. Even, the, even like, you know, geez, how much would you just hate fishing? Like, if that was your introduction to it, this is it. Five yeah, hours. Yeah. Of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and it got away. Oh, I think that was on about the, they were here for a five day charter. That was about the fourth day, but they had a good. Good trip. You know, they died them jigging plastics and micro jigs and they caught finger marks and brassy trevellies and, you know, old queenies and everything. They, they had a really good trip, but that was sort of just to hook that fish and for them to see it jump next to the boat. I don't think they could talk for an hour, you know. It was a, it was a pretty big fish. Oh, that'd be epic. That'd be epic for no matter how long you've been fishing, eh? That's for sure. Oh, man, it, it blew me away. And I know quite a few charter operators have had running with big marlins in, in close, you know. And they, they, they're blacks. They're black marlins, the ones that they hook up here. Mm. You don't see blues or stripes in, in the Gulf here, but yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible where they turn up, them guys, hey? That's amazing. Mm. Hey, we we was an incredible fishery, just an incredible fishery. It's, did we talk about, ask you what your favourite time of year was? Favourite time of the year? I like, um, I like August, July, August, September for permit fishing. Yep. That's, that mm-hmm. seems to be when, when the permits, they tend to come inshore and school up. I think it's a spawning gathering, you know? Yep. And that's when you'll see them up in the flats doing their thing with the tide. You know, they go out with the tide and then come back in with the tide. And it just seems to be how they operate. So if you set up an ambush point on a gutter or a, or a point where they where they travel, that's when you get the shots at them. And I'd rather I'd rather sit dormant or sit staked up and get a shot at them than, than follow them. So, yeah, I do, I do like that time of the year because it's generally offshore wind and pretty clear skies that time of the year. Um, November, December's just at the end of the – just before the close of the barra season. There's fantastic barra fishing up here. Mm-hmm. especially some of the rivers down south it can be two or three hundred barra days down there and some good fish too you know the meteries yeah yeah um, right. um a big fish pretty uh like common in weeper like big barra no weepers weepers definitely suffers from the size of barrel i saying that there's been barra squad up here that, that are pushing 
meter fifty in length, you know. But but they're the exception yeah. rather than the rule. But there's a lot of a lot of eighty centimeter fish and ninety centimeter and quite a few meters get caught every year. But look, the average size in in the in the creeks and rivers in Weeper are looking at, at like fifty sixty centimeters. You know, they're smaller fish, but they're good. They're good fun. You can sight fish them on fly. Yeah. Um, oh, that that sort of fishing is fun as I reckon. Oh yeah, it's some of the best barrow fishing because they're such an active fish when you hook them. The big ones tend to be big slug. You'll jump and they'll slug it out like a freaking trevally. Them small ones are very active. You know, you'll get five or six good jumps out of them and uh, a few good runs. Yeah, or even and, the even the act of putting that fly on on a you know on a dinner plate right where you want it. You know, like mm. um for that sort of fishing, it's just it's just fun. Hundred like percent. Yep. The the yep. cast is satisfying. The fun the fish is fun, and um yeah, you're not working. Well, you would be, but be yeah, yeah. with me. <laughs> I'm usually I'm usually ducking or swearing or. <laughs> yeah, but I think if you, if you, if a guy brought a, six, a good six or seven weight up with a little floating line and fish little surface flies for barrows up here for those smaller fish, it it'd be an unbelievable trip, you know, just just doing mm. that sort of stuff. Yeah, it'd just no. be like bass fishing with a sprinkling of mangrove jacks and queenies in it. I suppose you could call it, but it would be fun, you know. You'd have a good time. Yeah, when you put it like that, it sounds pretty fun. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good. It's good. You can always go and sight fish barrows as long as you've got you got like, you know, the sun, the clean water. Get up on them flats and them snake range. You're always going to see a few barrows lay along the edges, and you can pick them off with with pretty accurate sight casts. It's good fun. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. The, the drains look pretty epic around there. Like it's, uh, I can't even think of the name of the areas that's um, uh, in the wen- mouth of the Wenlock around that area, there's some big yeah, cut, yeah. big drain cuts around there. Pretty deep yeah. cut drains. Yeah, that Wenlock's a great river. It's a fantastic river. It nearly cuts Cape York in half, that river. It's so big and it runs, well, it never stops running. Even at the end of the dry season in December, it's still got fresh water pumping down, you know, out of all the springs and and um, all the, the higher hill country sort of over towards the east coast where it originates. And it's, um, yeah, it's a very special river, that one. It's the only river in the world that's got the four species of saw sharks in it, actually, that river, which is, oh, really? you know, they're an endangered fish. Yeah, it's got the freshwater and the green, the large tooth, and oh, I forget the other one, the dwarfs, or oh, something like that. I mean, a young fellow knows, he thinks he's a scientist, but... Dwarf? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> what is it, Mate, Amazing. Oh, no, it's a dwarf, I think. Yeah, I, yeah just... I think it's a dwarf, dwarf sawfish or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mate, mate of mine... Um... Got a sawfish on fly, saw shark on fly, whatever you want to call it, right in front of that lodge that you guys use. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, sight fishing, just on those, those mangroves. You saw a croc there, that Arvo, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I believe that. Yeah, I've had a few clients go down there and, and catch a sawfish off the bank. Well, the day before or the day on the end of their charter before they're waiting to fly out, they'll go down there. We've actually caught a couple up in the Embley River on the on the mud flats on, on stick baits, you know, and the, the thing get up there and, you know, how they hunt mullet, they whack them with their, mm. with their bill and then turn around and eat them. We actually had a few come up on the surface and hit a stick bait that you've been working along the edge. So, yeah, it's not a common thing, but I have seen a couple of times. It's, it's pretty cool. That'd be crazy to see that thing coming out like a... Oh, man, you like go... What dagger? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell is this? Next thing you... And you never hook them up, of course, because the, the leader just bloody half inches around their nose and they... Yeah. You catch them like that, then you got to try and deal with them next to the boat, trying because I don't want to pull them out of the water because they could do you, you, yourself or the boat a lot of damage and them, you know, themselves. So I try and just un, un, unravel the mess in the water and release them. Mm. Oh, could you imagine if one got got loose in the boat? Like you, you know, oh. you'd, you'd be packing shit. You couldn't grab its tail because it'd swing around and hit you somehow. Yeah, yeah, you know, it'd be dangerous yeah. as shit. Yeah, well, there was a, there was actually a commercial guy up here who got hit a couple of years ago. He's netting out the front of the pine there, where they're allowed to, and um, they had a big one in a the net there, and he's trying to get it out, and it 
it swung its head around, hit him in the neck, and he nearly bled out. Apparently, so wow. he got a trip back to back to the hospital here. Spent Ooh. a few days, few days in the hospital bed. That's Ooh. wild. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, do, we don't we don't do them on our on our safety briefing in the morning. Maybe I should include saw sharks on it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, you get some eyes like the interface. I reckon with the punters with that one. Oh yeah, I'll go. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's nice. Well, yeah. look, Bargy, mate, we've been we've been um, mate, you've been quite gracious with your time. We've been we've been talking for a while now. Mm. We might um, we might let you get out of here, but um, where can people uh, find you if they're looking to um, book a charter up there with you? Um, we've got. I've, I've taken over Fisher's new old website and we've rehashed it, put a few new guides and a few new boats up there that we're going to be running. But um, www.weeperflyfish.com.au, you'll find the website. Yep. Or um, bargy 6 at outlook.com. But probably go through the website. All the contact details are on there if anyone wants to come up or get some package information or, or whatever they want to do, you know. Yeah, um, right. You know, I'll just, just warn everyone, after COVID, it's it's pretty busy. This year's almost, well, pretty full as far as charters go. So um, we're already taking bookings for next year. But, yeah, I think it's it's definitely one of the destinations people want to come and it's going to be around for a long time. Mate, mm. for the uh, for the small amount of times I've been around the globe, but I've fished in pretty good places, I reckon Weeper's up there in... Mate, my, my personal top three, that's it's incredible mm. fishery. Yeah. If, oh, it's if, good. You fellas need to get up here again. You need to get up here again for a stint. Yeah, <laughs> mate. Well yeah. I'll um I'll take that as a solid invitation and I'll uh, be up there next week. Yep. <laughs> yeah, Roger. <laughs> I've got some clients waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> that boat without the motor, it's got a lucky on it. one I gotta say it wasn't easy, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are they what are those oars like around sawtooth sharks? Yeah, uh, probably attract them, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, All right, good. mate. Well, no. thanks for making the time, Bargy, eh? Yeah, no worries, fellas. I hope you got some good information there. It's been, it's been good chatting to you, and we'll um, certainly catch up down the track somewhere. Sounds good, mate. Sounds real good. Thanks, mate. You've been a great guest. Yeah, thanks, mate. Probably the best guest? Probably. Well, the best relax. one tonight, for yeah. sure. The best one yeah. tonight, yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm going to sleep well tonight. I know I've achieved something, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. No worries. Thanks, fellas. We'll check you. See you, boys. I use my only phone call to contact my daddy. I've got 20 long years for some dust in the back And we're back, folks, and that was a wonderful show we had with Bargy. And as always, with the outro, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for not disconnecting. <laughs> yep. As If you're a regular and you, you listen this far, you know this is where all the, all the good shit happens. Yeah, <laughs> or where it all comes undone. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we let our hair down, what's left of it. <laughs> oh man yeah how about bargy what a legend eh what yeah exactly what mate the dude you know what the, the passion of that dude like how long he's been guiding for and what listeners won't know is that after that interview we were just we were just talking to him for like n another hour just about fishing or something you know or around mm. about that like the um you'd think that someone who's been a guide for that long and for what you've seen from day-to-day -day operations in weeper would have you not so much jaded, but like, are we talking fishing again? You know, but 
mate, the dude, the, the dude's pumped on it. It's just, just living and breathing it, eh? Yeah, it's, it's, it's stunning. It's fucking awesome, to be honest. Yeah, it's a cert, it's a certain breed, the rare mm. breed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, I was talking about you, mate, but it was, um, it was amazing to hear. Vargas in a, a unique position, I suppose, to um, to to talk about the the I wouldn't say the olden days of, of Harvey Bay, but there's <laughs> the there's glory not, days. Yeah, there's not a lot of people who can who can who are who are around to put themselves in a position to talk on a on a podcast in today's age and reflect on the fishery that was, you know. Yeah, I know. Was you just turn the camera on. The listeners don't know, and you're you're um you're expecting a reaction. Yeah, how's this one? <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun. Yeah. What's, what's, what's huh? with they? What's with the vest, dude? <laughs> did you did you make that sheriff style yourself? Or? No, no, it's CGI, man. Oh, yeah. is it? Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, it's not a real vest. I've got no no shirt on at all. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Oh no. Oh, sorry. That's that's your pelt. I'm um. <laughs> You've shaved around the tops of your shoulders to make a vest-looking thing, have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Looks yeah. like a singlet, eh? Yeah. yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Reminds me of something that Freddie Mercury wore on stage, like um, <laughs> one of his last concerts, actually. Oh, at the um, we are the oh. Champignons. I think it was the song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was it? The uh, aid? Oh, what is it? Oh, I can't remember. Live aid. Live aid. Yeah, you gotta be careful where you go. That when you talk about it, I know. I, know. Right? I, was, I was like, "Fucking don't say it! Don't say it! Don't say it!" <laughs> oh man, it's too, too many. And Randy said, "Live aid." I'm like, "That's How right." How would you say it if there was more than one concert? <laughs> <laughs> well, what was the plural of live aid? Stop it, man! <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> so cruel. Anyway, those stories of, of like, you know, I've. I've seen schools up there, like you know, like like you said, like during the interview. Um, I mean, I've, I've come back at the back of the heyday, so to speak, so to speak, and seen you know, what I thought were big schools of fish, of you know, fifteen or twenty. He's talking schools of 60, 60, 60 fish. <coughs> it's a lot of bat, a lot of barra, it's a lot, a lot of gold. Like. <laughs> you got this, bro. <laughs> Everything okay? <laughs> oh man, <coughs> I wish we could do do this in video. Yeah, <laughs> Just losing my shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, the video distracts me. Um, oh no, that's why I do it. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's uh, it's very clever. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. I couldn't I couldn't help but make the comparison. I. And I hope Bargy forgives me for doing it in his podcast. But like thinking about what Harvey Bay was versus how it is now, it's, it's you know it's, it's hard not to feel a sense of loss. So many things have impacted it, and mm-hmm. I'm not like trying to make assumptions there. You, you people can make your own, but um, you know the, the the place does get pretty hammered with with commercial fishery, um, especially since the Fitzroy became net free. Like those guys. It's, it's, I could be getting it wrong, but I've heard that a lot of the guys have moved from that area. They haven't got their licenses brought back, and they're just fishing another area now. Like the competition there between the commercial fisheries is commercial fishers is pretty aggressive. 
uh, in addition to to the shark problem, you know, how interesting it is to hear of his his uh, recollection of of it in different areas and having spoken to a few different guides in different parts of the country. You know? oh, and how closely does it align with our own experiences? You know, yeah, I've, I've probably been on record. I'm sure I've been on record on this on this podcast before, saying you know, prior to the 2011 flood, so I reckon I lost maybe three or four tuna to sharks. You know, in the ten years before that in Morden mm. Bay and now you know it's a good day if I if, if I don't lose three or four tuna to sharks in a day you know like it's yeah it just it just seems to happen in particularly worse in some spots than others um but yeah it, it's just it's, it's stunning how that's happened but mm. I, I didn't even realize there was that many if it, if it is the um the ban on on sharks under one, over 1. 1.5 meters. I, I didn't realize there's that many sharks getting taken out. There must have been tons of them getting taken out, if that's the case. But you know, like, um, you know, I mean, you could, you could, you could probably liken it to something on land. You know, like let's say, you know, you're in the in the Serengeti and there's a, a pack of hyenas, but there's like you know, a herd of of um, zebras, mm. and you keep harv- commercially harvesting zebras and leaving the, and like and protecting the hyenas. Sure as eggs, you know, like when there's only five zebras left, and um, and you know, and there's some sort of car that picks them up, the hyenas are going to be hanging around that car every time, you know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what's going on on a, on a fishy level. No one can could you know accurately tell you, but you know, on the other hand, if I'm playing devil's advocate, I can't imagine sharks, you know, just waiting around for for boat, boats to appear on the horizon to catch tuna because. To be honest, there ain't that many people doing it to keep a shark alive. No, you know? no, you get a week of bad weather, does the shark not eat for a week? Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's not plausible. But you know, it just, it just seems to happen all the time. I see, um, I saw her on Facebook a couple of weeks ago. There was a, a que- you know, a questionnaire put out about um, shark occurrences, or, you know, shark conflict, um, shark human conflict, or, or whatever. Mm. Um, <clears throat> And sadly, I I lost the the page. I never got back to it. But um, yeah, it, it looked it looked fairly interesting. Um, I'm going to throw a name that might be on his Facebook page. Maybe I'll just talk while I look at it. Mm-hmm. But um, <clears throat> get you a few more details. But yeah, it, it looked like some sort of um, Queensland government initiative to to measure um, measure um, you know interactions was the word they were using. Um, oh right, so they're like putting a survey out for for um, for people yep. who spend time on the water to ask about their interactions with sharks. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's still only ever going to be anecdotal, isn't it? You know. Do you reckon that they they'd sit in fisheries and go, well, we're getting this information from fishermen, let's halve it. Look, I, I think it's really dangerous to make assumptions. No, no, I don't. But, it was it was yeah. a sorry. I hope it didn't come across anything more than. Just the fishermen with their tall tails, you know. That's what I meant to say. Oh you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, like I caught this fish that was three three hundred mil, but when I tell people, my mates about it's six hundred. You know, my interaction with sharks, there was five hundred sharks around the boat. You know, you know? Mm-hmm. oh, there was. You mean there was two? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's... That's what I meant to say. No, I, I didn't mean to cast aspersions <laughs> that uh, fisheries were doing a bad job. I think they're doing a great job. Did you hear me talk about that that Facebook thing um, about that dude who got um, caught in the in the Caboolture River? There's a face. Is a uh, Queensland Fisheries Facebook post where they caught that dude. He was um he was chucking fish out 
uh, as he was getting away to try and stop getting caught and and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, really? yeah, yeah. And they, 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 he, they, they, they. It was a sting operation, and it was based on a tip off from the twenty four hour like uh, hotline. Um, someone must have been like, "Get out there now!" He's doing it now. They caught him red handed, illegally netting. Um, and then um, uh, I'd have to bring up. I don't want to bring up the post while I'm on the podcast, but um, the magistrate only fined him fifteen thousand dollars. I'm not reading the comments in there and stuff, and they're like, "He'll he'll make that in one night for, from illegal fishing," you know. But um, and you think to yourself, fifteen thousand dollars worth of uh, of mixed bag at probably eight dollars a kilo or something like that, you know, ten dollars a kilo, whatever, probably even less being illegal black market, you know. That's that's so much so much fish to be taken out, you know, to make it worth his while to risk mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff to get a fifteen thousand dollar fine. It's a shame that fisheries do all that work and they get let down. By, by the magistrate, you know, potentially. Yeah. Mm. I don't know the whole story. I should say that as, as well, is I really don't know the whole story. But yeah, I just well, read a post you know. on Facebook, which doesn't make me an expert. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it's fascinating to to find out, mate. I can't find that shit I was talking about. I found yeah. a change change.org petition, but that's not going to stop the bull sharks eating our tuna. Um, yeah. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, yeah. But this guy, I'm just going on his page. He he was um, reckons he's ten miles from the salt, and he had a sooty sooty grunter bitten in half by a bull shark. Oh, uh, who who said that? Sorry. Um, his name's Dan Kagalis, K A G G E L I S. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a photo. I don't know if he's public or not. I'm a, a Facebook friend of his. <clears throat> But yeah, on the eighth of March, there's a there's a photo of a bull shark next to half a sooty grunter with blood coming out of it. Mate, I've I have seen bull sharks in the same waters I've been catching bass um, in some of the Sunshine mm-hmm. Coast rivers as a kid. Mm-hmm. Big bull sharks, you know, no problem there at all. But that uh, um, wasn't brackish either. There was uh, it was you know full summer, really uh, creeks that you could almost jump across, and I've seen schools of bull sharks, big ones, you know, five, mm-hmm. six, seven foot long sharks, you know. Pretty gnarly. Okay, I think I might have found it. Um, we'll keep talking. I think I've found it. And I apologise okay. for sending people to Dan's page. He did have a photo of a bull shark there. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's, a, he's a great fish show. Um, oh, okay, this looks like uh, it's called um, Info Fish Sharked. And, um, oh, yeah, I've seen that page, yeah. Is that Owen Lee? Don't Welcome know. To... He's looking at that page. I don't know. Anyway, um, looks like him. I can't. So... I can't get. I can't go to social media. While I'm on the podcast. I get highly distracted. It's a bad habit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Cool. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, I'll probably probably shouldn't talk about to learn some more. It's just some homework for one in the future, but. It'd be interesting to know more about uh, where we're at with shark interactions. Are definitely, in my experience, increased, you know, over the years. Yeah, and, and it sounds like that aligns well with fishermen all over Queensland and Northern Australia. If uh, you're if you're one of those people and you're listening to this and how bad sharks are, like get on that um that that page, uh, which you said what was it called? Info fish, was it? Yeah, so you go to Facebook and. Um, 
just just search InfoFish or one word dash sharked. So um, S H A R K apostrophe D. Yeah, and that'll take you there. I'm gonna try it right now. Yep, I put in I N F and I come up with InfoFish sharked. So yeah, head over there and um and um report your interactions. Uh, it can only help, that's for sure. Mm. Is that Owen Lee? I don't know. I haven't seen him for a couple of years. Yeah. All right, I'm on Facebook while I'm on the podcast. Poor form, apologise. Uh, I'm off Facebook now. <coughs> Very simple, mate. Just turn it yeah. off. Okay, cool. It's off. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, something to look at in the future. Um, but yeah, Bargy, uh, Harvey Bay was great. Um, listen to him talk about it. Obviously, it's an area he grew up, very passionate about it. Now he's in Weeper. Wow. Bloody hell. Yeah. Talk about, yeah, yeah, yeah blessed. Like, in, he's been in some real meccas of um, of uh, Australian fly fishing areas there. That's for sure. Mm. Just, um, well, hopefully he doesn't get to see the demise of two of those areas, you know? Yeah. Yeah. With uh, with with Weeper could be coming uh, very close to being a bitumen road all the way through. Yep. Anyway, but no, it does sound like a, a, a fantastic place. That's for sure. It's uh, you know, you and I have both been there. Um, and um, you know, I, I'm I'm sure I can speak on behalf of when we say we, we highly rate that area. If you haven't um been to Weeper as part of your fly fishing journey, you you really should consider it. That's for sure. And um. You know, it'd be hard to think that there'd be too many people up there that have got the uh, the experience, the knowledge, and know how to be, you know, cruising around. Like, have that database of, of what fish has put into the years up there, and Bargy's experience. You know, just in 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 general, in addition to the eight years he's worked for fish before buying the business. You know, mm-hmm. what a, what a great combination. Yeah, yeah, it, um, yeah. What can I'm going to say, what can go wrong apart from weather and COVID? But, yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it sounds, you know, that stat where where Bargy had said that, you know, fish has lost two or three days to weather in 30-odd years. And, you know, Fish said that on, on his podcast as well. There aren't too many places, yeah, there aren't too many places. We might have said it off here. But, yeah, it was a stunning st- statistic. And I was like, I remember thinking, well, it, there aren't too many places that can offer that sort of, you know, um, I would say guarantee, but that sort of track record in that, you know, you've got that, you might, you might work hard all year, you get, get one week off or, or even, you know, one, one trip to weep every five or six years. I don't know, whatever your, your budget or your circumstances allow, but it's reassuring to know that when you get up there, you'll be on the water somehow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. And that local knowledge, you know, that, that turns those marginal days into winners. You know that that going with a guide would do. Yeah, we didn't talk about it too much either, though. But like, even when you walk the beach, like up there, like that that experience of of getting on the beach at Weeper and stuff. I don't, I can't think of anywhere else in 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 Australia like that. You know, maybe maybe would have heard like I haven't, I can't pretend to have been everywhere in Australia. I'm sure there probably are, but I haven't heard of places like that. But for such an accessible place mm. of being Weeper, you know, I mean. Yeah, walking the beach is one of the, one of the best fly fishing experiences I've had. You know, just just cruising the beach and just picking stuff off as they cruise cruise past. Yep, awesome. Yep. We used to get out there. Um, I went up there. We, last time I went out there was with with Vokla. We just hired the poly boats. We dropped the boat off on the beach. There's only two of us. Uh, dropped someone off, 
and then one other person to drive the beach up, uh, destroy, drive the, the boat up another the K. You'd walk yeah. up to the boat, pick that boat up while that person works up the next day, you go pick them up and you'd just do that all day. It'd just be great. Just picking off all sorts of fish. Yeah, right. Excellent. Yeah. It's um saw the occasional croc. Uh, my technique around crocs is I'd usually just sneak up behind them and jump on their back and poke them in the eye. Uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then I uh, I like to show them the knife. Um, <laughs> I don't like to do too much. I'm a conservationist these days, but you know I'll give them what like I like to call the uh, the the cro- the croogie, which is like a crocodile version of a noogie, just a bit of a rub behind the between oh, yeah. the ears on the back of the head. Yeah, so you form a like a knuckle with you yeah. know, clenched fist, yeah, and then look, yeah, yeah, look, there's a soft bit. On the top of their head, you, you, know, yep. you get to feel, feel around a little bit, and um, uh, but eventually you find it, and they don't like it. You know? Apparently, got the brain the size of a pea. Have you heard that? Is that right? I don't know. Does it made that up? Yeah. yeah, I usually pee about three hundred mil. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you telling me that's sort of about the size of a coke can, just like their uh, their brain. Oh, three hundred mil, as in volume, not length. Yeah, right. Yeah, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We're establishing that. You didn't answer my question for before about this concert, so I noticed. <laughs> hey, so just, we can look, move on. just look at this. Welcome to Shark. Um, it's a InfoFish Shark community is a citizen science project funded by the Office of the Queensland Chief Scientist. We built sharks because recreational fishers all over the country were coming to us and telling us that they were losing too many fish to shark-based depredation. We are more than just an app. We're a community of practice consist practice consisting of fishers, scientists, tech developers, industry, among others. The success of Shark is completely dependent on, on your input, and this platform is where we where we shall share the data and give you all the opportunity to interact directly with us. Blah 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 blah. You know what? I'm gonna have a chat to Owen. Yeah. Well, yeah. we should we should look at getting him on perhaps and talk us more about that. Like, yeah, I don't want to put any pressure on him, but yeah, I think I think he, you know, I'd love to talk to him about it on there. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mhm. Hey, yeah. All right. Well, look. Um, have you? Uh, I know we had a special guest lined up next week. Well, we, we, do. we were planning on it. Do we? Uh, <clears throat> no, not next week. Not next week. The week after. Possibly. <clears throat> Yeah, I'd like to put this up, up for public forum as well, like this new this new scheduling of uh, fortnightly shows. But by all means, um, feel free to um, you know give us a written submission as, as to your thoughts and criticisms. The best way to do that is uh, at Volty Fly Fishing. Uh, you know, generally early <laughs> in the morning. But like the best thing, the best way to get that reaction is just ask for hourly updates as to whether you've, you know you've seen the message. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. Just let me know. Um, yeah. Hey, Volts, have you heard from <coughs> my hero about this? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, cool. I don't know where you're going, but it does sound gripping, that's for sure. Mm. Um, well, look, let's let's um, let's get out of here. Yep. And, um, Speaking um, of gripping, it's time for you to go. I'll catch you in a fortnight, mate. Thanks very much. <laughs> hey, <laughs> folks, we need intros. Give us intros, mate. If you, you know, like, this show will just stop dead if we don't have intros. Can't. <laughs> we can't start a show off without intro therefore we need <coughs> tries need intros all right let's go all right ta-ta. see ya